Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle Podcast. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> After our hilariously uh, drunken and haphazard episode last time, we're now back in the safe warmth and comfort of Phil's home. And what a comfy saddle it is. It is a comfy saddle. The welcome back, listeners. Welcome back to hopefully a structured, organised... <laughs> I mean, Phil, Phil texted me this afternoon before I came over and I was like, right, Tom, we'll, we'll have a 10-minute uh, brainstorming session and we'll try and do it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do it nice and structured. It's going to be a, it's going to be sleeker and slicker than it ever has before. And I just sent back like a little tongue-out exactly. lol emoji. And I just drew a big ejaculating penis on a piece of paper. Yes, and that's pretty much what this podcast will be. No, it's going to be really slick. It's going to be slick. <laughs> um, good. So uh, today, let's, um, let's first go to the news. So we'll talk about the news first. And then what are we going to do after that? And then we'll, we're going to run through basically the entire World Cup experience. That oh you've gone my through. God. And I'm going to cry here in the corner about the fact I missed out on probably the best experience of your life so far. Is that Oh fair? my God. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll we'll finish off with a bit of tournament stuff, and uh, and that will probably take through to the end, Phil. Oh, and then maybe perhaps we might saunter into the hobby harem ever Ooh. so briefly. Get back in the saddle. Flash a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of skin. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's go straight into the news. Let's go ogres first because they are the most recent news that's happened. Indeed. To us. So people uh, hopefully will be aware that GW have put out photos of their new ogre team. And I must say, they look amazing, don't they? They are very central. Absolutely. So it's going to be four ogres and uh, 12 snotlings in a box, giving you a team of 16. So Jimbo is already triggered. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a full team! Positionals! Although, actually, it is it is pretty much a full starting league team, which is nice. Like, Can, it, can you ever start with more than four? You could. You'd have to t- take... Less rerolls, basically, mm. but most people would go for four, and I think you can get three rerolls with that, probably. Yeah. So that, that I think that does make sense. And actually, it's pretty easy for two of you to get together and buy three boxes, and that is bang on a perfect full team. So yeah. um, I think that works. Whereas usually with GW, it's like, oh, I've got to buy one to just get a couple of extra ghouls or something, which triggers Jimbo hilariously. <laughs> it, it looks like the kits as well are quite customizable with different faces or bits of armor or hands and arms and stuff as well. So I suspect you can probably make six unique yogas. 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 Yogi yogas. They're very flexible. Are you saying that Yogi looks like an ogre? (laughs) (laughs) He's certainly uh, more handsome than one, I'd say. Oh, absolutely, and far more charming. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I think you can probably make six different ogres. And there's a rumour to be either a new skill or maybe an ogre positional as well. I mean, there's a couple of them are like doing a sort of kicking motion, aren't they? And whether that's just saying that they're going to throw snotlings a lot and that they're kicking, or whether there is actually going to be a punt-style skill a la, um, what are they called, Grack and Crumbleberry? Indeed. They used to have a punt skill, didn't they? Which gets, for some reason, banned from all events. I'm not sure it's that broken, but everybody seems to have banned it's like It's like a Doom Diver almost, isn't it, as well, I think? Oh, is it? It, it goes oh, in, so only he can in, guide in a D3. Uh, okay, maybe that's why it's broken. But yeah, so, maybe they're going to do a punt where, I don't know, maybe you can, it'll be, you'll be able to throw him further, if that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, if we think about it, um, both in terms of fluff and in terms of rules, ogres could do with a bit of a boost. I think in terms of perhaps their one one turn throw teammate touchdown. Yeah, because um, snotlings are so slow. And we look at the halflings; they've had a catcher, obviously, with sure feet, which is going to be a bit quicker. Oh no, sprint, sorry. Yeah. So he's going to be one extra square already. Um, and given how tiny snotlings are, how big ogres are, and how we've already had a hint at the punting technique of Grack and Crumbleberry, 
it's not um, you know ridiculous to think that GW might put a new rule in there because the the heart, the ogre team is crying out I think for a rules change somewhere along the line. Yeah, and they're just a little bit. Um boring at the moment in terms of that's what GW want to slightly expand on is like mm. it looks like all of the teams that have only got the two positionals yeah are going to get something because it's the same with the halflings halflings it was halflings are all good fun you can get the trees and stuff mm. but it's just so boring out of the box because you yeah. can just have the flings Absolutely. and the trees and people want a little bit more so the, the snotlings all look the same i don't think we'll see a snotling positional but i think we might see an ogre positional possibly i think the snotling positional goes against the grain of all fluff <laughs> like Indeed. having a snotling who's been specifically trained into, into a position <laughs> doesn't quite sit very no. well with the with the ogre um, theme and it? i i think the the other thing that might be possible for the ogres is we might see uh, an ogre position or something along the lines of a hunter or a catcher but not in terms of catching people but in terms of catching so not in terms of catching the ball, but in terms of catching other players. Yeah. Because there's one with a bear trap for a hand. Who yeah. looks like he's wearing a helmet, possibly a little bit more armoured, different belly plate maybe. Which or is even an iron gut. It could be an iron gut. An iron gut, exactly. To go to go to the the Warhammer Fantasy fluff. So we might maybe we might see one of them, and if the bear trap is actually a thing, maybe we might see that being some kind of claw. Prehensile, with claw. Prehensile tail yeah, equivalent. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, or, that sort of thing. Or a tentacles equivalent. Mm. Something like that. And certainly we might see some punting ogres. Or maybe I, they all might have punters done. I, I hope that the punting um, means that the snotling has to take an armour roll for being kicked in the arse by an ogre. <laughs> I, think, I think that would hurt. With the steel shod shoe. I mean, yeah, exactly. The, the footwear's not favourable, is it? <laughs> and what, but also what I quite like to see is that um, this, is, this seems to be tying in with the Age of Sigmar um, ogres release as well. So they've got the More Tribes um, tone coming out. Which, and I... I happen to have an Age of Sigmar slash Ninth Age army, so so Ooh. it's cool. And I think the models do look uh, convertible. And um, pe people in the AOS chats have already been talking well, um, about. We've uh, seen the same thing with obviously the halfling models as well, haven't we? There's there's that one particular Age of Sigmar halfling oh, army, so cool. where yeah. he's converted it almost exclusively from the Blood Bowl team. Yeah, and, and it's and, incredible. And they're cheap enough to do that because yeah. you get twelve models for sixteen quid if you buy it from a third party. So. Yeah. You can actually make units and stuff. So I think we'll, we'll see people mm. doing that with the Ogres. And I think we'll probably see some new Ogre star players. Mm. I think we'll see well, Bracken Crumblebrick Berth probably canonised. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But about the, the new, just very briefly touch mm. on the new NAF star stuff. But, but it looks like Berth is gone. So. Oh, really? Yeah, have you not seen that? No, I've not, I, didn't so no I didn't notice Berth as Let's, let's, let's seem seamlessly... No, move. we've done the Ogres, haven't we? We're we've done gonna, the Ogres. We're now going to seamlessly move into that and talk about the tournament stuff before talking about Lizards. Okay. I'm happy with that. Indeed, I'll, um, I'll put the Spike magazine away. Because because this being slick, we have actually segued into that. Very, that was the plan all now, along. And we're now talking about how it was seamless and we've now made it unseamless yeah. by doing <laughs> But yeah, so... So, we, can, um, we can edit that bit out though, can't we? We can, yeah. I'm not going to, but we can. <laughs> it is possible. Uh, so yeah, literally just today. And actually, this is good. We're working back in the news almost, you know, backwards. Um, the NAF have released their new tournament rules. Yes. Uh, and to be honest, we, we will talk about this in depth uh, in the next episode. But a thing I'd like to touch on today is the star changes, the star player changes. So for the first time, the NAF have basically gone with GW on stars. Mm. And they've uh, they so GW have now released a current stars PDF, 
uh, which I think came out last month or has been out for a little yeah. bit. Um, and the NAF have now said that is, unless you say otherwise in your pack, the default star player list. Which is a welcome change, I think. Isn't yeah, it? I think so. I think so. A bit of clarity on star players is always welcome. And then they've also released, a, and then the NAF have released a legacy star player document, mm. which, as we were just saying a second ago, does include Bertha Big Fist, because Bertha Big Fist. Okay. So the NAF have basically said that any star that's not appeared in GW supplements or been used for three years now has gone to that legacy one. That's the decision the NAF have taken. So, okay. so that's sensible. And I think the assumption is, is that all people in the know, the NAF might know already, is that Ogres are releasing new stars and one of them is going to be a new Bertha with a different name. Mm. Um, you know, And hopefully a model. That would be amazing. If we got Absolutely. A model. Um, so let, let me take you through some of the changes to teams that we've seen as well. So there's obviously the recommended additional teams here, which are Bretonians, Demons of Corn, Slan. Was that Bretonians, was it? Or... Bretonians, yes, I believe that's <laughs> yeah. how it's pronounced. <laughs> so the notable change for the Bretonians is the loss of Dolphar Longstride and mm. the inclusion instead of Bo Galante, with Dolphar moving to become a legacy star player. What do you think of Bo? So Bo is uh, the super catcher without catch, isn't he? Yeah. So he's move eight... Uh, strength three, edge four, armor seven, like a like a, a union elf, um, and he's got sh sidestep, sure feet, sprint, and dodge, which is an excellent. And you just said sidestep, yeah. Sidestep, oh, yeah. sprint, yeah. sure feet, dodge, which is an excellent set of skills, and he's a hundred and sixty k. So you could definitely see him finding a place in the Bretonian team for an extra receiver or an extra player, and indeed he makes their one turn threat actually yeah, no, very true. good. Two pushes is all he needs to be away. That I see him for, but in general, Dolphar is just a lot better because they mm. have they have knights who are movement seven with catch already. Yeah. So I don't having think... somebody who can throw to the knights. Yeah, I don't. But Dolphar doesn't have pass, does he? He's got Hail Mary pass. Uh, Yuri. Dolphar's got kick as well, and I think actually Bretonians might miss kick on a star player because that's always very handy. And kick off return. I can't. Does he not have pass? Think... No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He's not any rerolls. He's, does he's, he? he's HMP. Yeah. Um, kick off return, yeah, you know, you are pass right, right. block maybe. He's got like a weird set of skills. So you're right. I mean, maybe Bogalante could do that anyway. He could pick it up and run around in the backfield and run mm. up and hand. I mean, because I kind of see him doing that. I don't. I don't think you need him as the receiver. Yeah, retrieve, retrieval of retrieve. two up and then hand off to knights when we need to. And then he can move ten, can't he? Well, move eleven. Eleven. Sorry, move eleven. Yeah, uh, disgusting. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes elves, do they? No, I hate elves. But anyway, that that's the. Oh, and then of course they've got if they wanted another 160k option, but this is probably OP. They could take Willow Rosebark instead. Oh, that's okay. Well, we were just discussing the differences, and actually, you know, both Bo and Willow have sidestep, yeah. but only one has thick skull. That's true. Which is crucial. Absolutely. Which one would you rather in a half? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I don't need the movement 11 for No, you need the staying power. I need the staying power of thick skull. <laughs> thick skull and no defensive skill. Armour 8. Armour 8. Okay, yeah. so next up, Demons of Corn. So Demons of Corn finally now have maybe a slightly more comprehensive list of star players. Oh, I've not seen that. That's cool. So Max Spleen Ripper, so they've got access to the Chainsaw, which I'm not sure they had actually before. No, they didn't. Before, they didn't. Which is why the hell didn't they have before. Wither Grasp, Double Draw. Oh, I love Wither Grasp. Is he the... He's a guy, he's got some weird Two heads? Shit. No, he's extra got... Extra arm? He's got like... Tentacles? Tentacles and stuff, yeah. I think he's got two heads there as he? well. He's got a lot of weird Because that's what hence shit. the Double Draw. Because they're Makes both sense. drooling, maybe. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Um, you. Then we've got um, Skylar and Fingrim, which is... I, I love seeing this character in Blood Bowl, you know, fluff, because obviously he's been ported over from the fantasy fluff. Mm. But I've never seen anybody ever use him. Well, 
And well, I know but that's because he's shit. But <laughs> but that's but that's also a cool theme we're seeing is that the the Blood Bowl team and actually people people have um, downtrodden and downplayed. I can't remember his name. JP and the gang. I think mm. JP is the guy who runs it. But I think they're doing a great job. Like JP has said, this is the kind of thing he likes to do is to retain fantasy fluff that's clearly gone from mm. old 8th edition and the world that was stick, the it, guy in, stick it in the bowl stick it in Blood Bowl because then, then they stay alive I think it's great I think it's a really good yeah. way to do it now the, the demons of corn though still suffer from this ridiculous situation of the cost of their star players because they're so expensive so they? we've got uh, Skylar and Fingrim Lord Borak the Despoiler Grashnuk Blackhoof and Morgan Thorke I don't think they ever had Borak I think Borak's Maybe a new edition didn't. I think he's but new I think all four of those are around at least around the 300k mark yeah plus yeah <laughs> Yeah, and they've got 70k rerolls already. And, 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 and their positionals include 0 to 4 at 80k, 0 to 2 at 90k, and 180k bloodthirster. Well, my opi- my opinion of the corners are they're they're just generally overpriced. So yeah, mm. I think that, that adds in. Yeah. So I think sadly we're not going to see them ever get <laughs> on the field because would you rather take a bloodthirster or a star player? I mean, you're playing corn for a reason, isn't it? So you're probably going to see a bloodthirster. I reckon you could get Borak, a bloodthirster, and lineman. Well, there you go. That's a challenge to you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and then, sadly, we've got the Slan, who really have nothing to write home about. So their star players are now only Helmet Wolf, Gobbler Grimlich, which I think is um, like a giant. So is, is this on the GW? What, what's this? What what document's this on? Cause Slan... This is the Nathon. Oh, the Nathon. Okay, uh, cool. Zolkath the Zote and Morgan Zolkath the Zoat. I say. <laughs> <laughs> would you not say? Zoat. Yeah. Zolk no. after Zoat. I mean, I guess you would say Croat. Yeah. But you'd also say Boat. No, Zoat. And Boat. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they've been um, kind of nerfed a bit in terms of star players. Helmet Wolf, fine. Gobbler Grimlick, who's... I don't know, some catching frog or something, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know the new guys. Zolkafter's the Zoat. I mean, we get, I think he's one of the new Lizard ones. We'll run through yeah. that in a minute anyway. So. But then, um, in terms of legacy stuff... So they don't get player, Hibbly and Dribbly? They, get, they don't get Hibbly and Dribbly and oh. Wibbly Wobbly. Oh, Lottle Bottle, that's it. Lot of Bottle. Yeah, so Lotta Bottle was one, but I don't think anybody ever took Lotta Bottle before anyway. He was Is 8338 with catch, diving tackle, jump up, leap, pass block, shadowing, very long legs. Yeah, that's not great. It's not a it's not a wonderful I mean he's he's great for diving tackle and then shadowing people. But they've still got Hemlock, right? No, Hemlock's gone. Hemlock doesn't exist for lizards anymore either. Yeah, but he's le- he's legacy. He is legacy. So this yeah. is the point. So for I've already said for Talk Nuffle events, certainly for this year, mm. we're gonna retain all the legacy stars. So actually yeah. Slan will still And get and there. the same at um Backbreaker Cup next year too. We're mm. doing legacy and golden era stars as well. And so Rory, Rory hilariously pointed out, "Oh, thanks for following our lead," because he'd already posted. Oh, mm. we've had a vote on that. And I was like, "Oh, and you're now adding golden era stars, which we already said we were doing." So thanks for following our lead. Um, right. I think golden era stars are a no-brainer because they're either stupidly expensive. Exactly. Who's or ever, shit. who's ever <laughs> so, going to be able to afford to take uh, Jeremiah Cool? You can, but you have linemen and no rerolls, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> I don't see why that's a problem. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, if you want to have a one-man team. I really I, I, Lionel Messi playing for Scunthorpe I want <laughs> I want to see Captain Collider at the Super Bowl yeah well whoever, he, he's whoever, affordable if somebody brings Captain Collider to the Super Bowl I will buy them at least a pint well you know what Tom 
I will convert a Captain Colander and I will bring a Captain Colander to Perfect. Super Bowl. That is, that is my promise to you. But if you're still teetotal, what do you want? Like a pint of orange juice or something? I suspect I might drink by then. Okay. I mean, and, and yes, not, not to alarm any of our listeners, this is a temporary period of teetotaling <laughs> that I'm currently in. Tom is still drinking. Don't worry, I'm, I'm, by the end of this podcast, I'm going to be absolutely hammered and Phil's going to be desperately trying to keep it. Keep, us, keep us on track and keep Tom wearing his clothes as well. Last time you were here, you were naked, weren't you, Tom? I was naked, yeah, with Phil and James. Actually, we all got naked. Oh, no, I'm Phil, not me. You mean Rathbone? Rory. Rory Rathbone. Rathbone and James. No, I understand, I understand that Rathbone was totally naked. Is that right? Yes, he Completely was Completely starkers. Yeah, he actually sat where you're sitting now. Oh, really? <laughs> well, he's not the only one to be naked on the sofa, Tom. I'm going to show you that. <laughs> Is that where you and Rory usually uh, hang out? For it's you? our cuddle spot. Yeah. Okay, so that that is um, the situation with the NAFRA. It was very welcome change there. Um, last bit in this particular segment. I understand that you've already spoken about the lizards with other players. We did. We had a little quick chat through with Rory, um, and we've had a little general chat about the new models and stuff, but we've not gone through in any depth the style stuff. Actually, the first thing I'd say, can can we just quickly pick up? So, uh, Rory? I can't. I can't. They're in, in my mind, they're interchangeable. Rory and Phil. Uh, Phil. Which, which Phil? You. Me, okay. So Phil in front you of him. You know I'm here. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see you. I keep, I'm just so drunk. <laughs> um, it's, Phil... it's two thirds of a pint, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you don't know what I drank before I came out. Uh, <laughs> Phil has got the uh, newest Spike magazine in front of him, which is the Lizard mm. Rules. Can you go to the... So there is a very interesting page, which is has huge ramifications for Slan, funnily enough, where they talk about... Uh, how basically how GWC slan and they do it like really subtly so I, I quite like to read it out I mean I know this is going to be dead air but I just I think this is quite and I will recognise the page because there is a picture of a slan on the fucking page right this is great here we go so, which, which, which bit are you reading out well they talk about so they talk well I'll just go through they talk about slan so they have a they have a double page spread on slan and they've got a picture of the old style fantasy slan dude on well, the, hover, actually, the fat frog well this is the new style slan like the old style slan was nimbly pimbly frogs no, but that, that's back, back in the year in the era of Citadel miniatures in the eighties, nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they have and that. then Slam became big frat, fat psychic frogs. in fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So now, so I think this double page spread is basically saying GW are never doing slanting, a slanting which we kind of know. Mm. But I think that this Spike magazine is just reinforcing that because they, they say you know Slam is surprisingly fewer number, and then they talk about. Um, da, 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 da. The very oldest of the slan, the first. So it's all the same fluff as AOS. The first generation is supposedly not even native to the world, talking mm. about the old ones and all that sort of thing. Um, and then they say, yet slan didn't play Blood Bowl themselves. Full stop. Okay. Ever a sedentary species, slan are neither athletic nor agile, they're huge bloated, etc., etc. So mm. I think this double page spread is the. This is the Spike magazine that is confirming forever that slan are gone. And slan are becoming Kislev. And maybe that's it. We don't know yet, to be honest. That like GW themselves have never done any Kislev team or spoke about Kislev. It's in Cyanide. So Cyanide, no, the Blood Bowl 2 game. I, I think GW made Slam become Kislev in the fluff. Where? So when GW re-released Blood Bowl this time round, yeah. they released various PDF documents which included extra teams such as vampires and also Bretonians and corn, and included within that was also Kislev. I don't think that's right. I might be wrong. I mean, we, uh, there's no point arguing about it because we're not. Maybe I'm wrong. Now. 
I don't think GW and I, I like I'll caveat mm. it with I think they will, but yeah. I don't think GW have made any reference to Kislev so far. Tim to follow cyanide in some respects, at least in terms of aesthetics. Or yeah. Models. No, I, I think I think uh, there's a good chance that Kislev could appear. And you know, like we say, so Rory and I actually talked a little bit about the release schedule on the last episode about the fact that there's not actually that many teams to come. Like mm. we could pretty much see them all next year. Like in terms of the ones that we think are coming up now are going to be. We'll just segue very slightly before going into the Lizardman star players. But yeah. like vampires, I think is probably next. They look like they're about to appear. Uh, and then we've got Norse and Amazon, both are yeah. probably going to come about at the same time. Chorfs, apparently, according to Gav, are like at the back end of the last sort of five, six release. So mm. maybe Chorfs this time next year. And yeah, like, what else is there? I mean, because we're not going to get packed. Yeah. We basically got packed in terms of the models that have come out. Are we going to get Corn? Are we going to get Kislev? Those are ones that could be later. But we've pretty much had all the other teams. Because what we might see with, with Kislev as well, then, it would be uh, a reskinning of some of the other stars as Kislev players. Yeah, potentially. Or entirely new ones. And it'd be very straightforward for Kislev to be able to hire Griff Oberwald. Yeah. Or the Mighty Zug. More yeah, than exactly. And then a couple of niche, leaping players. Maybe even another big guy that's a bear, for example. Yeah, exactly. So that sort of thing. Mm. Anyway, let's go quickly into the uh, Lizardman stars, shall we? Yeah, so Lizard's... So, so the Lizardman team, although we've alluded to it, it's basically unchanged. It's got a new position, or the Chameleon, which we've spoken about a bit, who doesn't really change the team very much. He's a little bit slower. He's got shadowing. Um, you won't... I don't think you'll see him in competitive bills. I think people he's a bit of fun, isn't he? That's all he is. Yeah, and that's exactly what JP said. He said he wanted it to be a bit of fun, something someone could take. But I think all competitive tournament teams will still just chin him off because you'd rather have the movement eight. I don't think shadowing adds to the team. Yeah, or um, pass, pass block, block yeah. necessarily. Yeah. But you, you know, some people take take them. But uh, yeah, I think so. So the new star players. So this is the first spike we've seen where actually there seems to be a reduction in star players for a team. Mm. Ordinarily, we see, I think it's 10 star players for pretty much all the teams released so far. Is that right? Or is that, it that's, that sounds about right. It's either released 8 or it's 10. But now we've only got 6 here for the Lizards. So we've lost Hemlock. We've lost, oh, what's his name? The Saurus one. Um, yes, I can't remember his name either. But yeah, the Saurus we, one. We've lost him. Um, and, and we've lost the Slam players, of course, as well, who the Lizards had access to. And instead, we've got Helmut Wolf, Morgan Thorg, and then Zolkath the Zoat from the Wood Elf team. Yeah. So those three are... Good pronunciation, well done. Um, pleasure. And then we've got three new star players. We appear to have what is a Croxagor star player, a Saurus star player, and then a twins of, a, of some skinks. So Anki Panky the Saurus is the new Saurus guy, because mm -hmm. he's actually relatively similar. I can't remember the exact stats of the old one. Yeah. But this guy's got Block, Grab, and Stand Firm. And yeah. I think... I think the old one might have been strength five. Can't remember, but that, but um, yeah, he's 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 basically the new Saurus guy. He's pretty solid. Like I think yep. you, I think you could take him. He's only two hundred and ten. Um, and then we've got we Glottal um, Stop next. Glottal Stop, which, which I think is, is another which, great name because the Glottal Stop is a noise that you make in either Arabic or Farsi, which is like uh, sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's um, oh, he's fucking expensive. Check that out. So he is um, he's a uh, uh, Croxigore, isn't he? Oh, it's three sixty. <laughs> yeah, he's really expensive, but he's he's a strength six Croxigore, which is always nice. And he has got frenzy, mighty blows. You'd expect piling on, which is cool. 
the prehens hotel and thick skull they've always got on wild wild animal instead of um bonehead of bone, bonehead interesting mm. okay i mean so, i don't think you take him no he's, he's too expensive as well as yeah. him i so, think you take zolkath the zoat over him he's strength five yeah he's got a lot more cool shit sure feet too yeah i would take him slibly is the um the saurus that we're missing ah slibly what did slibly have was he strength five or did i make that up Slibly was strength four. Okay. But he was block, grab, guard, stand firm, seven, four, one, nine. So, so he's basically so he's basically lost guard and he's got movement seven. Is the new guy. Movement yeah. seven is cool. He's, he's still movement seven, isn't he? Oh, was he always movement seven? No, I said I, I don't think the old one we've was. Gone, we've gone down. He was, yeah. Oh, was we've it? gone down from 250k to 210k. So he basically dropped 40k, lost guard. And, sta- and still got stand firm, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's that's literally it, isn't it? Oh, well, actually, that's, that's a nice reduction in cost then. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and, and Anki Panky is a really cool name so mm. I'll tell you that so then we have the Broken Twins <laughs> sorry the names are actually Dribble and Drool so for the cost of only 190k you get two Skink Star players who are both 8237 uh, and then Drool has Dodge, Loner, Sidestep, Stab and Stunty so a Henlock type character mm-hmm. who's disappeared and then we've got Dribble Who's got dirty player, dodge, loner, sidestep, sneaky get and stunty. Sneaky get, OP! <laughs> but they, they, I, I don't know any other star player off the top of my head with both dirty player and sneaky get. No, no, that he is the only one. That is like the super foul of him, isn't he? Because yeah. he doesn't need any assists. He'll go up to Johnny No Mates, boff, give, him, you, give him a kick in the plums. And you've still got the other star for when he gets sent off. So you, you're, yeah. like, you're not losing. So you, you paid for him, but you're, you're still not losing that much because they're so yeah. cheap as well. I mean, like, what's that? 95k each for that. I mean, a skink is bloody 60, so for 35k on top of that, the, the stuff you're getting Absolutely. is just insane. And, and and no secret weapon on the stabber either. They, they should be 250k-ish, and then mm. that'll be fine, I think. I think they're just under-costed. But, yeah. but you were saying earlier that I, I don't think they're an also-include, because I think that the standard this is the thing about the lizard the standard lizardman tournament build is extremely powerful um, okay, and okay. to get all six saurus and the croxagor mm-hmm. and the skinks you can't get them so you, well, you have to make concessions two skinks is 120 so yeah you and need it depends on an extra 70k it depends if you can if you're allowed them in your starting 11 as well mm. so most lizardman builds will be 11 12 players so, three rerolls so both of them come with sidestep which is needless in my example in terms of like you know how much they're costed so yeah. an extra one free skill for that then one's got stab as an extra skill then the other one's got sneaky git and um dirty player so a double skill as well so they're really cheap for i think what you they got. are definitely reaching and we I compare agree. that to hemlock who was the yeah. old um stabbing skink so he was 170k and he was blodge sidestep jump up stab and he's just disgusting. He, he was disgusting. 170k. Now, just very briefly, as I was talking about halflings, um, which you've not talked about, but I'm going to talk about halflings very briefly, is that they've got the gardener one with the stilts and, and, mm-hmm. the, and the stabbing ability because he's got his shears. And yet, he's relatively shit because he's a halfling. He's still like 70 or 80k or whatever it is. And then he's got secret weapon just to add, old, add insult. Add insult. To and this guy hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you get two of these bastards. And it's weird because you because I as far as I'm aware, the same guys write that like you get you get a kind of weirdism in a Age of Sigma where there's different rules writers and mm. it's very clear in the battle tones where you know a sane person's written this one and an yeah. absolute nutcase has written another one. But with this the same people write the rules. So I can't see how they don't 
go through what they've done for something else and make it. But then I think there is an element um, of JP and the gang of some of the, you know, they're meant to be fun. So adding in fun stuff. So, yeah. so that, that halfling star is probably, they probably think, Oh, if you're running around with a weapon, a pair of garden shears on the thing, then that's a bit of fun. And he should have, and they haven't actually thought about it and related it to things, which is fair yeah. enough. I, 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 just think, I just think the comparison here between what you get for these people and, and this, this method of stab where actually you can get to where you need to and stab. And you also have sidesteps so you can't be pushed away. It's just jokes, really, isn't ben. it? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but, um... I mean, so I, I'm thinking about um, painting up a lizard team for next year in general and mm. possibly possibly next ECBBL season, ECBBL season after. And in, in the next episode, we're going to talk more in depth about that. But I might, um, if I paint up a lizard team, I could see myself taking the uh, the Droll Dribble Twins to maybe even Backbreaker, potentially. Yeah. Um, that's a possibility. I think it's a good I like, I like to bring a relatively competitive team to Backbreaker. I like to mix up, you know, I like to mix up my tournament builds. Yeah. And, and we're going all, and we're going to talk about tournaments later, so I won't go into depth now. We're going to take all Stunty to the balls. So obviously, yes, clearly, clearly not taking a competitive team there, but I do like to mix it up. Sh- shame no Golden yeah. Era star players. I always like to see them because I think then you can make like a wish list star player, can't you? Yeah. What skills do I reckon would be really cool or characterful, but actually it's it's not like a useful player or a player that's affordable and you put it together, but they haven't done that in Lizards. So we don't actually, so this is one thing that's missing, for, I think, and I don't care that this isn't slick and isn't in the right place. One thing that's missing from the London leagues at the moment is an event where you get to build your own star player kind of event because there isn't mm. one in London. There is a really good one down in Cardiff, I think, where you literally get the sand, now, was, sandbox star player. To was build, this the one that we cool. were talking about on? I think it was the ECBBL chat. Yes, I think where so. there were some super bent star players. And that's fine. I think that's where fun. you can take something like three double skills and two normal skills, or two doubles and three so, normals, and you get like a stat boost or something as well. So you can make a natural one turn a gutter runner as your star player. So the way I would do it is I would just go here's TV, build what you want. I wouldn't even restrict, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't say here's double That's a nice way to do it. I would just say any player you want, and off the top of my head, I don't know how much, but say you've got 150k or 200k, build your own player, go. And then, I just do it like that. Imagine, imagine what fun. you could do with a sure. snot. Imagine I'm what sure. you could do with a snotling. Dickheads, yeah. The dauntless <laughs> multi-block snotling. And the point is, people <laughs> know they're coming to that event, so some some idiot will build a one-turn gut runner, fine. Like, you can go and do that, but some people will build fun shit and go, and you know, you just have to get the right people coming to the event, I think. It's, with, I've found that with event running is how you pitch it and who ends up coming because Borak Bowl works because mm. you actually turn off people like Gegster and guys who don't want to come because they know that it's not mm. that type of event and then it works. And, and you don't tend to a, 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 attract the the whack, the win-it-all-cost players to those sort of events. Exactly. And certainly at Batbreaker as well, we don't pitch it that way. It's more of a fun and you know fluffy and Where relaxed. Where people, people take their trousers off kind of tournament. Absolutely, yeah. Whip them off. <laughs> Velcro um, Velcro seams. Anyway, I think that is about rounding up our news segments. We're going to take a very quick break here and then come back and talk World Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast. We are back live on air after a very brief refill of glasses. Phil has got some tea going on. Jasmine. Jasmine tea. How Mm. how is that? It's it's delicious. Is it? Excellent. Have you got like a mix of different teas or is Jasmine very much your go-to? I'm not really a very big tea drinker. 
I'm generally speaking a coffee drinker. Okay. Um, like my coffee, like I like my men, strong and black, mm, naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've recently Usually with been, a double shot as well. Re- well, recently <laughs> I've been putting a bit of honey in my coffee or some agave oh, yeah. syrup. Oh, oh there's someone me. at the door! <laughs> Sadly, that wasn't a special guest. It was just uh, Phil getting a package. What is that package? Is it... I think it's the double-ended dildo I ordered, Tom. Oh, excellent. But it doesn't, doesn't look as big as I'd hoped. No, I was going to say, the package is, is disappointingly small. Well, there's the sandpaper I wanted. Oh. With with the dildo, I hope. And the, uh, the gorilla glue. <laughs> to glue the sandpaper to the dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, simian glue. And oh, then, and that's what you. That's what every time I come round to Phil's and I want to pin shit, he's never got any bloody paper clips. So he's I, bought some paper clips. I, and they're, they're different sizes as well. Are they? So we've got some which I think one inch, inch and a half. Depending on the girth. Three quarter inch. Depth that you want. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got options there now. Um, so what, what were we talking about? I've got before? absolutely no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we were talking about how you, you usually like coffee, but you've been, you're tonight drinking jasmine tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a bit of um, tea. Because I can make a teapot then, and then I, I've got a little, like a nice Chinese teapot, or Japanese rather than a Japanese uh, teacups as well mm. so you can pour just a little bit in have some few sips it stays hot and then refill and you know otherwise i'd be going through like some liter and a half french press of coffee right now and then i'd be off my tits and coffee and <laughs> well maybe that would uh, lighten well, this podcast well, I, up. actually you know you know apropos of nothing but coffee doesn't really impact me in terms of caffeine like it doesn't wake me up it doesn't make me stay awake i can quite really? happily have a coffee in the evening oh and so then, i'm like go to bed it doesn't it doesn't make me fall asleep but actually if I'm really tired at work, coffee mm. does give me a kick, 100%. Fair enough. Anyway, that was an entirely useless segue that we've done there. What are we going to talk about now? World Cup! Oh, the yes. blood, well, the World Cup, I'd say. I mean, there's been other World Cups on recently, you know, some real-life Blood Bowl World Cups with the rugby. Mm. But, but this was the World Cup, wasn't it, Phil? Oh, absolutely. A phenomenal event. This was the Dawnburn uh, World Cup Blood Bowl I need to get those words in the right order, don't I, really? The Dawnburn World Cup. World Blood Bowl Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so 1,500 people more or less descended on the... I think it was uh, more, mate. I think it was more. Could be. Yeah. On the Austrian um, village or city of Dawnburn. Uh, Austria is kind of a long Finnish country, slightly odd shape, which touches um, Switzerland and uh, Germany on one end, and then it goes down towards Croatia on the other side, and I think touches um, Slovakia as well, maybe. But yeah, so it's in the tiny thin bit, very close to Switzerland, quite close to Munich in Germany as well, geographically speaking. Mm, No, I've I've done a lot of army skiing down just on the border there, like quite near near where you would have gone. And I'll just say up front, I am still so gutted that work made, meant that I couldn't go. I was so upset when everyone was going and just seeing the stuff. Even, we'll talk about it later, even the shit that was happening. I would have loved to just be there and be part of it. Because mm. like, I, I generally think things like the Blood Bowl World Cup happens every four years are like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And they're just, you know. Absolutely. I mean, who knows why we're going to be in four years? You, you like, with all, in all due respect, we all thought we are going to play Blood Bowl forever. But you don't know where you're going to be in four years. Like this kind of event is just... It's no, just it a... was an opportunity that when, when it arose, I think, early last year, and it was on the horizon, um, I had to take... Both balls. Absolutely. Grab mm. both balls and the shaft. Mm. Um, and then just jump on top of it, really. It's the only way you get any impact these days, to be honest. Exactly. I mean, if you're not, <laughs> if you, if, if you're not in... <laughs> yeah, then you're out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nobody, let's nobody go. So, first of all, from what I could see... That, because we're gonna 
And we're not going to do, I don't think we're going to go through a good and a bad, we're just going to kind of run through the event and talk about the good mm. and the bad bits, because there were some bad bits, Like, and we're not going to whinge, we're just going to highlight the experiences that you yeah, had. Yeah, as a matter of fact, my um, opinion, now, so, how we felt it went. So probably the first thing I would say that looked bad to me was actually the, the kind of location of the venue in relation to airports and stuff didn't seem to be ideal, it's not like it was, because yeah. that was one of the things I was looking at, as I had the weekend off in the middle, mm. and had it been within an hour of an airport, I probably could have flown in and done the sure. weekend, but it was, it, how long did it take well, to get, well, there well, were shuttle buses. Well in terms of kind of pits and peaks of the travel situation, the DBL team, we arrived in style, did we, we were chauffeur driven by Ooh. two private hire cars. Is that because Steve organised it? I think maybe, I think or maybe Steve Ollie did. did it actually, but we we got we rocked up at the airport and there were people there with Dragon Ball All Stars <laughs> on a card. I actually saw the picture of that, yeah. And Fantastic. you know this kind of man, black suit, black tie, sunglasses on, mm. and that was for us. And then we had luxury there, but the the organisers, um, great credit to them for this, organised shuttle buses. Yeah, and actually I heard they everybody they well. from the airport to the venue, and they also organised further shuttle buses. I think from the venue to the town centre every day as well at certain times. And, and considering the price of the ticket you mm. can see you know they have the money to do that but yeah but great. in terms of the location itself it was uh, like a conference center a bit out of town by some shopping centers it wasn't really anything around there for dinner or for drinks you'd have to go into Dornburn itself which has got a very pretty nice austrian town center but that it's you can't get anywhere without a taxi really yeah so um but i think that's probably part and parcel of having uh, an event which is going to be 1,500 people or more. Oh, absolutely. So only in cities such as London, such as Berlin or whatever else, could you find a conference centre serviced by the fantastic public transport that we have here in London. Yeah. So doing it anywhere else, you're always going to have that. And I understand from people who went to Luca four years before that there was also similar kind of things. Like it had to be in a conference centre a bit out of town, a slightly mm. more industrial part of Luca, where you're not going to be there with all the great food and restaurants and stuff. But it's not far away to travel. And so on our, our occasions when we did pop into town, we had really great night, you know, great food, great places to go for drinks, etc. And, uh, and that strikes me as that did become a problem purely because, like, and we'll go into it in a minute, purely because of the sort of the organisational problems that meant the days became quite long meant that I because I was what well, I was still in the chat for the whole time that was going on meant that you know I, I certainly people like Snatch and John were a bit like oh it's been such a long day can I be asked to go out in the evening because because of the problems that exacerbated the event so actually if the event had run smoothly if that probably would have been less of a problem because you would have just done the day finished at six and then you would have had a whole evening that that's right the, the the travel problems are always going to be exacerbated by an unpredictable schedule throughout the day yeah. and unexpected delays and that did happen on the first day when there was this problem with with skill rings being handed out, which we'll talk about in due course. Yeah. Um, and anything which means it's going to finish later. So, for example, on the second day, we had four games rather than just three. Which I think was a correct decision. Based, yeah. based on, so they, they made bad, poor decisions. And good, I think that was a really good decision mm. to do that. But yeah, so the location and the transport, you know. What about um, And what about the accommodation? You were right in the venue. When you yeah, so we, we stayed there. That worked out It well. was ultimately quite an expensive hotel. But having said that, we did try it. So we booked that in January. Mm. And then I think you and I and Ollie had a look around. And I mean, we could have got it for maybe 60 quid cheaper for the yeah. weekend. And but we, we, we had the benefit of it was expensive cro cro crossing the road and we're at the venue. Yeah. Whereas and other people would then would have had to get up really early, get taxis, get buses, whatever else. I think that was the correct decision to so, do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. That was great for us. And, and also, um, the hotel was, it was really did you get in the great. sauna? Get in the steam room? So it's all, it had a proper gym 
Yeah. Um, proper fitness studio and proper indoor saunas, outdoor saunas, hydrotherapy pools, um, massage things. And so um, they weren't open um, all the time over the weekend because they closed sadly a bit early in the evening for us for playing Blood Bowl throughout the day. But it was amazing. Proper, incredible saunas. So me and certainly Ollie and certainly Snatcher made very good use of the spa facilities. And we had a couple of gym sessions as well, you know. So pumping iron and then obviously getting on the gridiron and rolling some ones. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, did, did you find... Because uh, were, were you you and Snapchat were certainly... Uh, sorry, you and John were certainly teetotal, weren't you, for the whole weekend? I drunk when I was there, but oh, you not, drunk not, not to excess, just a bit. Cause I, I, thought, say, I mean, you, I'm on holiday in Austria at the World Cup. Did I'm you find your it. dice lost power with, with less alcohol? Or? <laughs> no, not at all, really. A la Jimbo? <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. It, uh, maybe we should talk about food and drink as the next... Yeah, that seems like a seamless segue. As we've, as we've moved on um, to that. So yeah, the general the general food and drink at the venue. So they had their that? own beer that they'd brewed for it, um, which was... That's cool. It was all right. It was I mean, that seems, like a, that seems like a cool concept. It depends yeah. on the delivery. Um, the, the beer was fine. It was a bit pricey, maybe. It was like four euros for a big one and three euros for a small one. But the, 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 the ridiculousness of the situation was less than 100 metres away was a massive supermarket. Yeah. And you could bring your own booze to the venue. So they um, people could bring their own bottles of vodka, gin, they could bring wine. The Italians had crates of wine with them. People yeah. from other countries had all this, that and everything else. I mean, that to me, that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's also hilarious because there was, I mean, actually Torsten, who we'll talk about in due course, who was the the overall organiser, who did some really awesome stuff and mm. is not not you know not a terrible person, but I think yeah. he made some mistakes. And he posted out on the I think it was the Facebook, it might have been on the NAF yeah. Twitter. Um, oh, could, could people help us out? Why why are people not buying drinks? And we were like, because you could because you could buy it from the supermarket. Like it was so obvious. Like, yeah. you know, and I know you had a lot going on. And so much to, cheaper too. Yeah. I, th- I, I think mean, I, it was a real real shame for me personally in, in a country that's so famous for beer and such quality beer that there was nothing on draft either. Oh, uh, that's annoying. Yeah. I mean, because I don't know about other people, but for me, having a beer on tap is so much better than having a bottle or a can of beer. There's just no comparison. No, and that's that's the thing you make a big effort to do at Backbreaker. Mm. Is um, you know we We've go out car scales. It's great that we always get all the local breweries involved, which makes fantastic concepts. But you always make sure you get the cask mm. as well, so people can can have a draft ale. And, and I think yeah. that's that's true. and that's why um, Magic Madhouse seems to be rule zero. It's such a great venue because mm. you can get it's like basically a draft pub thing, and that's for me the sole reason I don't play at Bad Moon. Mm. Because why would I? Like, you can play... Bad Moon has got two or three great pubs near it mm. where you can get draft pints and uh, you, you can't have Bad Moon. You have to get bottles. But yeah, the draft thing at um, at events, I think, for me, is huge. And um, and like you said, they didn't have draft at the largest event in the world, which is not great. In in the country, which is one of the homes of, like, good beer yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a good know. point. Good point, yeah. Which is, a, which is a shame, I think. But, I mean, it was... The, I think the best you can say about the drinks in the bar where the service was excellent. They had table service, people going around with trolleys and crates and stuff. That's good. Um, but it, it was just average at best, I think, in terms of the quality. What of about the, the food? So the food... Um, it, looked, it, looked, it looked okay, actually. Yeah, so there's, the, there's this Austrian food called spetzel, which is like um, a bit like gnocchi or something like that. It's like a potato pasta. Mm. 
in little tiny shapes and you just put a pile it on a plate um, and then they just had like like a stroganoff type sauce on top of it one day with chicken the next day they had some beef on it and stuff it was good hearty wholesome food I actually really enjoyed it and thought it was quite tasty yeah other people in our group were not impressed at all and thought like it was just rubbish but once again it's, it's catering to 1,500 people um, and it the service was quick um, it did the job I quite liked it. So. Yeah, so I mean, I, whilst you were playing in Austria, I was over the border in Hungary um, on this army course, and mm. and hilariously, like we had, it's very similar food actually. They're one of their mm. their um, signature dishes is a potato gnocchi kind of thing, and um, and I remember uh, we asked so on like day three of purely meat potato. So we had one day where we had chicken, rice and potatoes on mm. one plate. And after day two or three of this, I asked one of the the, the um, Hungarian officers, um, do you guys do like vegetables? I mean, is, is it like green? Is that a thing? And I've just not seen one. And he was like, he was like, no. And, and, and he actually turned to me and said, no, I don't want to offend anybody. But, um, but vegetables are about animals. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, how can you expect to work the fields without having a hearty meat? And and I think that's just the culture. So I, yeah. I, I would fully expect um, in Austria to be similar, where, where it's meat and meat and carbs. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, but so. I'll tell you what, though, we, we, had, we had one fantastic meal out as well. We went to this, um, essentially like a Texas barbecue restaurant in Ooh. town. And we went there after day one. And Lewis was out. Day one was marathon, right? Yeah, Lewis was a lot of marathon waiting on it mostly, but like Lewis was absolutely cunted. <laughs> like before we. So met, did Lewis deal? So we'll go into the waiting in a minute. But did Lewis deal with the waiting by just getting trashed? Was oh, that he his, was. He his was. Method? He was trashed already before like game one even began. Because <laughs> of, of the delay, like he was already like four beers in, you know, large beers in before he played game one, and then kept it up Legend. throughout the day. And I had to talk him down from having a stand-up row with the to refs wow and then we went out after oh that. i did see that that didn't so we went great. out to this this yeah. um place this uh texas barbecue restaurant and obviously myself steve snatcho ollie we thought we'd be civilized so we had some red wine um the really really nice merlot um and uh we order that we asked lewis do you want some wine i think first of all he probably tells us to fuck off or something and then secondly after that he then orders the beer so we ask him, okay, well, what beer do you want? And he sees that they do like a, a pitcher of beer. So he's like, I have a pitcher of beer. And we're like, well, you're the only person having beer. And he's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to oh, have the whole thing, pitcher. mate. I'll yeah. just, did he drink it from the pitcher? Yeah, so we, the, the waitress came over <laughs> and she's like, how many glasses do you want with the wine? And we're like, okay, um, seven glasses. Could a few extra guys come along as well, I think it was. How many glasses for the pitcher? And there was like, no glasses. And so he intended just to drink it from the pitcher jug. So lo and behold, a few minutes later, the bottles of wine turn up, the glasses turn up, we all have a nice little sip of wine, and Lewis is there, practically falling asleep in the pitcher of beer. <laughs> like, he almost like, puts some water wings on him so he doesn't oh, drown. So and, then, and, then, and then he like he looks at it, and then he just taps out, and he's like, I need to go home. So I had to give him 20 euro to go and get a taxi outside. <laughs> so funny. I love Lewis, I think he's hilarious, he's... He's just a good Scottish stock yeah. lad, isn't but he? But he, really he didn't stop drinking throughout the whole of the weekend. I was on the gym for quite a bit of it with Steve Green. Mm. Um, he brought some really nice gym with him and some tonic as well. So that was nice, kind of picked me up. Sad to miss out. Mm. Sounds terrible. So that, the food, food and drink. drink. Yeah. Food and drink we've gone through. Um, let's go, I think, into the, I guess, like the planning mm. around the World Cup. and and the Because the, I, I... So 
to sort of caveat it, I've read so Torsten is a is a well known Blood Bowl stalwart. He's he is in the for guys who don't know, he's in the same bracket as you know your Gegsters and your Lycoses. Of he's played for in the NAF for years and years and years. He's a he's a household name, and all the guys know him. So mm. actually, the stuff we're going to talk about now that happened around what Tor- and the decisions Torsten made. Joe and Gakes were like, yeah, that's Torsten. They they fully expected him to to react like that. Um, but it sounds like that they they put in a shed load of planning, and they, to be fair, properly played, properly tested out the system that they ended up using. And he wrote a four page um, sort of response to affect what happened mm. on Facebook in order to kind of lay out how he felt about it. Yeah. Um, it seems to me that one of the key problems is the bloke who was responsible for the system was really ill over the weekend, which mm. you, know, you can't caveat for. And he was the guy. And so they were like, like, and and this is effectively, I'm just caveating the good side of the shit that happened because it's it's reasonable to put forward their side of the yeah. story. And he was like, they were trying to rewrite bloody code for mistakes that were happening and stuff that they that they couldn't have foreseen. Yeah. So you can fully sympathise with that and kind of you know get on board with the fact that that happened, mm. but it doesn't take away from the experience that you ended up having, does it? Yeah, so day day one was, um, or rather day zero, the day before, was when the problems first began. And and Torsten did say, this was a mistake we made, mm. you know, we should so, have done it differently. So they gave everybody skill rings for their teams that represented the skills that their players had taken. Yeah, and these, um, were, these were particular NAF World Cup skill rings that you had to use. Yes. Uh, and... and and you know the the um, intent behind that was really good. It was the fact that there's a load of international yeah. people, people not necessarily all speaking English. Let's be really clear about it. So that's that's reasonable. I, th- I think if, if ever it was appropriate to use this expression, it's appropriate now. But they made a rod for their own back. Yeah, it was something which nobody requested, which nobody needed. Yeah, because people are very familiar about going to blood bowl tournaments and using loom bands or other skill rings, etc. It was something that they did with all the right intentions, because personally, I think it's a really cool thing to do. Yeah. But they underestimated how long it would take to sort out 1,500 players. <laughs> and then the skill rings are made up into four jigsaw pieces that clip together in different color combinations for various skills. And then magnetic discs that you stick to the base and to the skill ring for your players. It was just far too much stuff for them to sort out. And they, they very quickly realised it wasn't feasible. So there were lots of people standing in, in queues for but a lot hours, of hours, like hours. On, on day zero. Yeah. Which detracted from the whole opening ceremony, detracted from the whole, the whole kind of feel-good party atmosphere, which could have been in place for that, that first day. And you know what they should have done? Like they should have Sack it off. Yeah, they should have immediately gone... Fuck this! Uh, we'll make sure we bring them around to you on day one. Yeah, you know, or mark just... your players as best you can. And people have had enough loom bands. Mark your players as best you can. Or if, or if you want them, if you want them, yeah. come and come and help yourself. We're really sorry that this is causing a delay. We don't want this to affect the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was the same um, when we had then had on day one morning. That was delayed further because they had to finish sorting that out. And then there was this further delay because of the matchups, which weren't be, weren't able to be sorted out because the computer program was failed or whatever. Now, I think... So when did you start game one? Oh, it was like two hours late, three hours late, something like that. So like basically lunch And, and some it? of the teams... I remember them saying, actually. I, I, I had lunch before I played game Yeah, I remember one. people saying, we're having lunch now. And, um, and some people had already tried to work out who their opponents were and had already started games when everybody else is saying, well, I don't know which order. Who am I playing on your team if I am playing your team? Yeah, for sure. And it was those matchups. And But I think the, the problems that they faced... Um, 
you know, they couldn't necessarily predict or plan for them. Some were unexpected, some were just because of the sheer logistical operation that, that there's there in, in place. But their approach to problem solving left a lot to be desired, I think, on two particular points. One of which was an inflexibility on their part to simply say, fuck it, let's do something else. Mm. That would have been a perfect example of doing that with the skill wings. Really sorry, everyone, they're in these boxes here. If you want to use them, come and help yourself. If you don't, then you can use your own skill rings or you can use whatever else. And then the second point would be that with the problem with the matchups, there's got to come a point where it's only game one, guys. Fucking Fuck play it, someone. If it's not working, coaches take responsibility. Team captains take responsibility. Fucking and, play and, someone and, and then hand it in at the end and we'll talk, sort it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's what they should have done. And that's what they should have done with problems, I think, throughout and I think the system they were using was also inflexible. Mm. So I think that that was one of the problems is that they that would have been yeah. difficult for them to do. Without um, without straying too much into into cultural stereotypes, but there's a certain kind of organizational lack of flexibility approach to the to the World Cup, which is perhaps indicative of Germanic countries generally. Oh, two wankers who know nothing about uh, Ah, uh, Rory always comes in at a great time. Do you want to come and join us? Uh I have five minutes and I've got to go and play Jerome and hopefully not. Oh, much. yeah, why the fuck are you here? You're supposed to, it's like six o'clock, you're supposed to be starting. Yeah, I have postponed it till 6 30 because I uh, ended up staying at my mate's house last night and I had my team here. So ah, okay. So Rory just walked in. We're, we're, just, <laughs> we're literally just talking about the World Cup and the, the things that um, have made that shit and the things mm. that made it good, <laughs> basically, is what we've Do come into. World Cup Roundup. It's interesting. I think I've walked in at the point where you were saying that. There is there was a reluctance to apologise. Um, I was talking about inflexibility. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was but there was just a reluctance to say yeah. I'm sorry. It was and kind we'll of like that, yeah. this is all. These are all the reasons why it happened without exactly. actually saying we're sorry that this yeah. is a mistake. So, so Rory works in PR as well, so I think he'll appreciate this. But my biggest bugbear with the organisation was not the problems they had, but it was the lack of comms about it all. Yeah. Like just have somebody on the microphone, like every twenty minutes or half an hour, saying hey, really this is sorry, where we are. guys. Don't say oh we'll update you in ten minutes. And, and then we hear nothing for an hour yeah. and a half because yeah. then people just get annoyed. Um, so update us, be honest, and then make alternative arrangements. And definitely there's something to be said for the fuck it attitude of just like team captains, sort yourselves out. Because we're saying game one, fucking find someone to play and we'll sort it out like over this two hours. Because yeah. they could have just sent, they could have gone round over two hours and gone, right, who are you playing? Who are you? Like they would have had time yeah. to do that. Yeah. Why are you, why are people waiting? It's game one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. I also get like, you know, having run a tournament, you kind of still want it to be a bit slick. Like they'll be mortified, right? That's the other side of it, right? Look at it from their perspective. They'll be mortified about the whole thing. Mm. I mean, one thing which we've dis debated at length is the LGT from last year mm. and how that was a monumental clusterfuck for some of the systems, not for all of them, mm. but for some of them, it was an absolute pain in the ass, right? But what did Zach do? He went onto one of the most critical podcasts and turned around and he actually said, like, you know, I've realised I've made a mistake. I'm it really was, sorry. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't actually turn around and sort of say, you know, this is the reason why all of this happened. He did that, but he'd also included an apology so then people immediately prepared to yeah. listen. We've seen the Facebook posts, I'm guessing that. Yeah, you know, Torsten, yeah, we talked about that. Can I just say, the, the Torsten Facebook post now reminds me of Granite Jacker, the Arsenal captain's <laughs> Instagram or whatever. Yeah, 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 no, I've seen. Apology in inverted commas. And refusing to apologise. Where he doesn't really yeah. apologise, but he just talks about the situation from and his why, perspective. why it arose from yeah. his perspective. And what's, what's the, what is the similarity here? Granite Jacker and 
a tournament organized by Germanics in Austria. Yeah, there was yeah, a, yeah. Cultural, there's a central culture. Yeah, no, so, yeah. so maybe actually from their perspective, that is an apology. And we're just maybe. looking at it from a, you know, from a more Western European culture of just say you're bloody sorry. But maybe to them, actually, that is them saying Well, that's sorry. the British thing. We're and, bloody sorry. I'm so sorry. But, but actually, I think, I think there's, there's value in that, right? You know, something, you know, cultural differences are often, quite often missed because, you know, you just don't have a clue. I mean, it takes me to the Basil Fawlty sketch. With, I'm so sorry mm. I made a mistake. Mm. Is that what made Britain great? You know, that's like the British, <laughs> the British cultural stereotype polarity. Yeah. Anyway, let's pause very quickly. Rory. You're playing Jerome tonight mm. in the DBL. So yes. we've already said that the next... Chorfs against vampires. Chorfs against vampires. It's exciting. The next episode, we're going to talk in depth about the round of 16. So we figure that'll, that'll have reduced the number of teams to talk about to a, an acceptable podcast level. What do you reckon? Uh... Has the game that you played on Monday knocked you... This game. So Rory no, played no. in the, the first ever Exiles final on Monday. I played in the Exiles final, didn't have the best of times. No, I don't think it actually has knocked me. I think that whenever you have the privilege of playing Jerome, anything can happen. Very true. Now, Jerome playing Jerome loves playing teams which allow anything to happen. You know, he obviously got to the finals uh, in uh, uh, a very long legs gate uh, against myself a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, he's playing a slant team and he did very well and so I think so did he just not fail any leaps uh, well apparently against uh, against Jimbo in the semi-final you'd have to speak to Salty Jimbo about it but, uh, oh is that where the original Salty Jimbo come from <laughs> just going apoplectically <laughs> salty <laughs> that and the black gobbo are combined yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I um, so I like you know I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to it right I've played Jerome a couple of times I think it's 1-1 you know, in yeah. terms of games against each other so that, this will be quite good for but, us to then have but it's interesting what you say, you've, you've also got a team where you're going to basically, like, Chorfs do what they do. You control the game, like, there's no silliness, they will do what they do, yeah. and, and probably that plays out of Jerome's hands, like, he'd be uncomfortable yeah, about that, because yeah. you're just going to roll forward and do the Chorf yeah, thing, Yeah, right? maybe, I mean, like, it comes down to a few key roles, right? So, I mean, this is what happened on Monday, actually, is, can I pick up the ball? Because you, you, <laughs> you know, like, that, that's a huge thing, right? Because so, you go for the ball centre, ball carrier, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got short hands anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's um, that's that's how I would play. Yeah, you know, so so if you can pick up the ball, like I, I found that there's two games. So I've not won three games with my chores, and in all three of them, the ball centaurs took at least two turns to pick up the ball. Yeah, anytime you pick it up on that 75 percent chance, pick it up, you're fine. You end up scoring. It works. When it doesn't work is when you fail to pick up the ball, right? Yeah. And uh, and then anything can happen, you know. And, and especially, I mean, Vamps aren't particularly quick. I think against Martin, what he did very well is that his um he put the pressure on with his wolves very very quickly. Yeah, and um, they're super fun. And actually, so, and, and you know, I wasn't in the game, so I can't say exactly what I would have done, but I might have considered picking up with a Hobgoblin against Martin because of that. On the second um, time, I was actually spoken to Phil about this, on the second time, I pro- like after the first time that I failed and I had people in my backfield, I probably should have done that. Um, although, to be fair, I only had two Hobgoblins on the pitch and I used one of them to put a tackle zone on a player, which mm. otherwise would have been with a pull centre, which would have changed the dynamic of the drive somewhat. But yeah, I am... Um, also in a no SPP game as well. Yeah, but actually for me it was... I was trying to score in four turns, right? For me, it was trying to yeah. score quickly, and a hobgoblin isn't conducive to scoring quickly, whereas a bull, where a bull centaur is. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think there is the biggest thing. I'm just looking forward to playing Jerome, right? You know, like we'll go out, we'll have a few rums, you know, we'll play in a relatively heated environment. And I wasn't intending to come down, unfortunately, I won't be there, but I yeah, was no, going to come down right. and watch. Which is yeah, okay. I think I think Martin said yesterday he might come down and Sam Major. Yeah, no, Martin is going. Yeah, yeah so it should be a uh, depends what time they play, eh? Well, we'll be starting in about 25 minutes. Are you getting an Uber there? No, no. From here, Highbury, Islington, Dalston, and then a five-ten minute walk. 
Fair it's very exciting podcast trust, material. Trust, trust, <laughs> trusting in public transport. When we, yeah. we spoke about coffee earlier as well. Now we're talking about public transport. But yeah. Yeah, you get yeah, everything I, I, on Port Nuffle. You do get everything, yeah. except for insightful Blood Bowl knowledge from <laughs> Phil. Because he never provides that whatsoever. <laughs> so, so we were discussing earlier, Phil, Phil texted me earlier this afternoon. And said, right, Tom, um, I think you should come a bit early so we can sit down for 10 minutes and uh, discuss what we're going to talk about and make it a slick and kind of, you know, like organised podcast. And all I said back was a, like, tongue-out emoji and, like, lol! <laughs> good even, good I, luck! I even good wrote notes. <laughs> even wrote, I mean, I've got in front of me here a very detailed list of which we'd followed about 17%. Percent, Why don't you just burn it? <laughs> 17 or 1 in 6. Yeah, exactly. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> like a blood <laughs> Anyway, right, I'm going to dash off, so I shall... Uh, Good luck, Rory. No worries. Well, maybe we'll get you on for the next one. We're going to do a podcast where we're going to basically run into the round of 16. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're on America for a couple of weeks, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We'll right. have fun. Cheerio. Good luck. So, um, what we're going to do, Phil, is take a very quick break and then come back and continue to talk about the World Cup. Perfect. Are you happy with that? Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back again to the Talk Nuffle podcast. We have just been discussing um, the... Decisions that were made around um, the rounds and stuff. And we're going to go into a little bit more depth now mm. about uh, the delays that happened, particularly on day one and how that knocked on into day two, etc., etc. Uh, Phil's just sorting out a very hungover girlfriend, which is quite amusing because it's always fun, isn't it, when you're not hungover and other people are hungover, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Phil. <laughs> Delays on day one. Mm. How did that feel initially? Sorry, listeners. I was letting George nibble on my cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> haven't we just done this? Delays on day one. No. We basically sort of started talking about it, but we haven't talked about... So we talked about skill rings on the first mm. day, night, and we talked about decisions that were made. Oh, yeah. But in terms of day one starting after lunch and how that all sort of happened and how you felt, really, about on that day. Yeah. It must have been a bit shit. Because it was the opening ceremony the night before. Was that yes, the point? it was. So that was supposed to be on Thursday. So in the morning it was meant so to be... So you're supposed to turn up, game one, welcome, smash it out. chat, crack yeah. on. And it was just lots of people hanging around for hours not knowing what was going on really. Which was a shame. Um, obviously allowed Lewis the opportunity to get absolutely tanked before game one, which was good. <laughs> which is always good fun. And then day one became just two games. Because there was a delay after game one anyway. Because once again the system didn't really work. So then they couldn't do the matchups for game two. Um, I remember trying to make a judgment call on what do they do about game three. Do they have it late that day or do they then try and do four games in one day, which is ultimately what they And they were to talking do. about cutting it, weren't they? Yeah, a lot of people were very unhappy yeah. when that was mooted. Yeah, and um, I think I think that when they spoke to the NAF about that, that was they were immediately like, you know, people are paid for the nine game event mm. and you have to make this work. And I think the I think that it would have been ridiculous if they tried to play three on Friday and finished at stupid o'clock. So I think broadly four on the Saturday was the correct decision. But yeah. I wasn't there. But I think that's what I would have foreseen doing in my head. Do you think that worked out? Well, it was, it was three, three, and three, wasn't it? They did four on the second day. Yeah, so they ended two, up doing four, two, three. four, three. Yeah, it was, it was the, best way to, they, the best They dealt with it well in the end. And, and the four games on, on that Saturday was a long day. But it was fun. It was good. Good. And so did you go out both nights, Friday and Saturday? or? 
Uh, yeah, I went out on the Friday. I, I wasn't really big in, into going out generally, though, because I was partway through like a, a clean living period. So the month before that, I hadn't drunk and I'd given up smoking as well. Nice. Didn't smoke while I was over there, too. I haven't smoked in a couple of months now. But also, um, didn't have that much booze there, really. So I was quite happy just to be a bit more chilled out, which was very nice. Good. But yeah, so um, yeah, four games on the Saturday and then the two, uh, three on the Sunday, which was great as well. So let's talk about because um, we've got two pretty highly negative things to talk about in a minute. Okay. But let's talk about generally the games you played, the interaction you had with the people, and the fun shit that you had at the tournament. I think is a good thing mm. to do. So did you play lots of international teams? Yeah, so game one, I played against somebody from the ECBBL, Chris, who <laughs> I actually know and played against that in the ECBBL. So Go all the way to Dornburn. To play for. somebody that I play, you know. Locally. Is that uh, Gumby? As in Chris yeah, Delaney? Yeah. yeah. He's so a really he, nice He was player. one of the Aussie teams. Yeah. They, they were good fun. They were our first opponents. Very nice. They were officially an international team to be fair. It just happens that Chris plays in mm. the UK. and yeah. you know, he, he had team members from Australia, didn't he? Yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guys that come over. Some played yeah. Hong Kong, but they're Aussies as well. Yeah. Um, that was really good. Uh, we played two Italian teams, mm. which was good. Um, I was the interpreter for the team as well. I speak Italian, so yeah, nice. that was good fun. Uh, we played a French team who were no re-rolls team. Oh, yeah. That's like that. So nobody was allowed to take re-rolls, Great but they could all take a leader. Okay. Um, and we, we, we were meant to play them in one of the rounds, and then the organisers realised they'd cocked up the matchups and changed them all around, so <laughs> yeah. then we weren't playing them. And then astronomically unlikely, we managed to play them again. And then we played them in the next round, because then somehow it worked out. Um, we played uh, a French team, a team which is a mixture of Finnish and uh, Maltese people. We played... The other nationalities or other groups, the German team as well. But yeah, so there's a real mix. So pretty much all international teams, apart from teams, the yeah. sort of first one where you play Chris, was yeah. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, no Great. English teams. It was really good mix, and for me personally, nine very fun games. Great. Um, so that was great and, and did you feel like they all played Blood Bowl the same as we played Blood Bowl were there different yeah. things that they did or so the organisation of the, of the rooms was there was the main hall which mm. was the more serious players and then there was the, the back hall for the more which, kind of like lower which tables. the DBL spent most of their time in yeah we, we were the <laughs> first game and last game bookending it in the main hall and then every, otherwise in the lower tables and maybe it's just by virtue of being on the lower tables that we got more uh, fun opponents and people who were just in it for the crack, really. Like, no re-roll people, for example. They're, they're not in there to, you know, overturn the world and to win the whole event, are they? No. Um, we had the various Italian groups as well. Where they were quite fun. They were quite chilled out. The Germans who played as well equally, they all had a bit of something about them that was good fun. Um, so, yeah, that, that was um, very lucky, I think. Because no doubt you could have come across some very competitive win-at-all-cost teams. And no doubt I wouldn't have enjoyed myself nearly as much as I did. And I also got favourable with my matchups too in terms of the races. So no dwarves and no elves. Win! Absolutely, well, which is all you can hope dwarves for. Dwarves are a very gentlemanly team. I don't know what you're saying. Oh, indeed. <laughs> no um, simians. No simians, I'd oh, say. That's a shame. That's a big shame. But yeah, so I, I played <laughs> Underworld. I played um, Pact. I played a couple of... You played Dark Elves, didn't you? No, I did play oh, Dark Elves. Oh, no, you said no. Elves. I played Undead or Necro twice, and then the other one once. I played against a Kemri team. OP Regen. Yeah, um, <laughs> I played against... 
somebody else, somebody else. And I also played against another halfling coach. Nice. Which was my favourite game of the weekend by far. It was ridiculous. What did he have? So he had a Zara two tree build. Okay. As the only star pair, which is Zara. And then I had my two trees and deep root blocked up trees build. And I, I pitch cleared him. Just bullied him. Entirely pitch yeah. cleared him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I managed to one dice block with a fling Zara the Slayer on like turn three and killed her dad. <laughs> and was he a gentleman about it? He was. Yeah. He was. He was. He was brilliant. And then and then um, I scored not long after that. And then he tried to throw his AG four fling to to stick the the touchdown. You know. But then he casualtyed himself, so he, <laughs> so he used his apo on that, and then I promptly casualtyed one of his trees. <laughs> so then, then second half, he had one tree and I think five or six flings left because it was only about twelve, thirteen players in total. Yeah. And then I proceeded to remove all of the flings while keep on beating up his other tree, until eventually we got to the stage where his tree was surrounded by deep root, two trees, and the rest of them flings. Just fouling every turn. Well, I, I was blocking him with a block fling on a two <laughs> dice block against the tree. And then for the tree to try and escape, he tried to uphill blitz a halfling. <laughs> probably, to get away. Probably fell over and then Deep Root fouled him into casualty. <laughs> Classic. Deep Root got sent off, but he didn't he care. Yeah. He had no players left. That's, there's probably not a, a lot of times that Deep Root has sort of foul cash sending off. I mean, no. that, that must be a one in a million blood bowl occurrence. It was glorious. And so, I mean, I it was then like turn 14, 15 or whatever, and he had no players left on the pitch and I had the ball by his end zone. So I just scored turn 16, having turned him over. And then that was it. Nice. But yeah. And generally, Phil, you did pretty well, didn't you? Didn't you yeah. And, and I think this will... So this will actually segue into the the shit stuff of the mm. event, I think, because you did pretty well, but it was it wasn't a great experience at the end, was it? Finding out whether because there was a stunty trophy, yeah, so, and, um, and talk me through that. So yeah, so the um, my halflings, we managed to finish on four wins, uh, three draws, two losses, mm. which is fantastic. And overall, we worked out that I finished second of all of the halfling coaches at the World Cup. Awesome. Which I'm super pleased with. And it came down to the very last game. And I knew that if I won and the guy above me uh, lost, or I think drew, then I would win best halfling coach. But sadly it wasn't to be and he managed to get the result he needed. Well, well done. Now when it came to announcing the results on the stage, they went through all the races and said, oh, this person's won this race, this person's won that race. Mm. Um, and we'll talk about some of the problems with those announcements more generally in a, set, in a yeah. moment. But in terms of the halflings, first of all, they announced a Wood Elf coach as the best halfling player. Right. Because um, he'd stepped in for a halfling. Yeah, but was using Wood Elves. Yeah. Um, and he was on the website or on his team as Wood Elves. Like you right. could look up his coach and his team sheet and you could see, okay, he's Wood Elves. What's the ward answer got? Well, he's got tackle. What's the ward answer? Oh, he's got strip ball. No sneaky get. No sneaky gear, oh, not okay. didn't have any skeletons to put them on. Yeah, true. Um, we should go and check how that skeleton <laughs> with sneaky gear did. I'd like to find out. I'd have to see his stats. <laughs> so he goes up on stage and says, um, thank you, but I, I play Wood Elves. And they're not like, oh. Um, he's like, yeah, I'm a Wood Elf coach, so thank you. And then he walked off. And then they're like, oh, we'll, we'll check who the halfling winner is. And then they go through all the awards, and they've not checked. 
Thank you all for attending. Thank you for this. Thank you for Bye. that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Goodbye. And the halfling coach has never announced. So I got the stage and I'm like, guys, who's the best halfling coach? What happened? And they're like, oh, we've already announced it. And I was like, no, you didn't. You announced a wood elf player. And they're like, I don't think we did. And I was like, no, you definitely did. And so eventually they checked. And then this other halfling coach came over who was the guy that finished above me. Yeah. And he knew he'd won it because he won his last game and had been looking at the table. So we, we had a moment together and hugged and said, no, I'm fucking hell well done. Um, and then he got that award, but there was. But no, you didn't get your moment on stage. There was well, no, he didn't he, get his moment there, on stage. There was no either. announcement. There was no. Yeah. There was no like, oh my god, yay! So that was a bit shit, really. That is a bit shit. Um, Agreed. And for them to kind of forget to do that or whatever else, or just an oversight, was a bit ridiculous. Because there, are, there are simple things that people want at events. Yeah. And that kind of thing, where you're coming up on stage and having the best, and when you bothered to bring halflings, you've done the year of the fling, and I'm sure yeah. you know. When you've done that and bothered to come and do it competitively, like you, you want to have that moment, and it's just a bit shit if they can't, you know, get, mm. get their and, and heads out of their asses for one of set. time for someone just to look at a computer, look at a team, look at the sheet. Yeah, they could have just said, and yeah. and the thing was, it's the inflexibility again. They could have just said, "Hang fire for thirty seconds." Mm. It's this person because there must have been a second. Like I don't understand how they couldn't have yeah. just anyway. They could have done something. Could, could these various halfling coaches, you know, if you know that you were in this book, come to the side a second and then they can just quickly find out. Yeah. It's not difficult. So that was the thing. And then I think that leads us on to the next bit there, which is about the problems with some of these announcements as well. So this was a, uh, the announcement ceremony at the end. Um, in part was a bit inappropriate and, you know, questionable in the way they announced some of these things. So when they were doing all the best coaches, they announced the best Kemri coach. Mm-hmm. And they showed it up on the screen and announced it, and it was the KK Kemri, which is completely inappropriate for this to be there at a family-friendly or inoffensive tournament in yeah. a country such as Austria as well, in Germany, yeah. where there is this recent history of very serious, you know, racism and extremism. And then in an international event where, let's face it, not many black people play Blood Bowl anyway. Yeah. Um, to then have that and then for the organiser to read that out loud and not to have a sense check and say, well, actually, maybe this is not an appropriate team name or in the organisers having done it. Now, the person whose team it was clarified that it's because of the name of this um, French town where they're all from. So the, the town is like two words and both begin with a K. So that's why it was KK. It was the, the short thing. So obviously you've got your KK Amazon and, and your I, KK and I, and I can see that a small French that. town doesn't, isn't big on the KKK. But I, nonetheless, organise somebody else. There's a responsibility that falls on somebody's shoulders here to say, well, actually, this is not something that we can we can really do. Um, and if that is their team name, then just change it. Or yeah, to say to the Camry team from Team X. That's exactly. Yeah. The team from, and then rather than say KK, maybe just say the Clermont Caca or whatever the name of the fucking town is and avoid it that way. But they didn't. And then immediately after that, they announced the best um, Amazon coach. Yeah. Which was a team... Uh, no, no, no. So then they announced a, a winner of the Bretonians, and the, the Bretonian coach was a woman. So the organiser makes a big deal about how amazing it is that this woman has been some so, become so brave to come to such a male environment and do so well. Mm. You know, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, fantastic that women are coming. And they announced the next team, which is the best Amazon coach. And it's Carla's bitches, and then he says, "Let's hear it for the ladies." That's awful, yeah. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, yeah. man! Like, what the yeah. fuck, eh? Yeah. Um, and that kind of stuff's inexcusable. They shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And it, the thing is, though, um, the people who make these announcements 
are generally speaking not people who ever do any public speaking and nor should they um, it's not in their skill set for some of these people um, and so it's just not very slick it's not very effective they're not very comfortable doing it and they're not very polished or necessarily have sense checks with what their script is meant to be but that's the problem because for the biggest of blood bowl event mm. ever like you know we hire an so, mc yeah i mean we um, um, but but we you know in the dbl we've got people who should not be doing public speaking and we've got mm. people who can do public speaking mm. and we're a large club but even the ecbbl we've got people yeah. who can do you know and, if, and to give you like by way, by way of comparison to to backbreaker cup so um, Andy Barton from the DBL, one of it's the a trained actor. It's a trained actor, yeah, and so he knows how to use a microphone, how and to I hold hear, it, how to stand. And I hear that you occasionally do public speaking I've, in your I've job. I've been known to do public <laughs> speaking, indeed. And you know, um, and, and for talk metal, I'm I'm quite ha- comfortable standing up and doing public speaking. And, yeah. you, and there are always going to be people in your your but, organization. But who the thing can, is that surely. when we do it with Andy, we have a script. Yeah, we go through it. He knows what to say. He knows how to say it. He knows how to say it appropriately and make sure that it's family friendly and whatever we do. And and that didn't happen. And then when they when they had the the thank yous at the end of, um, or and at the start of the um, the ceremony at the end, it was just a bit of a circle jerk. And they were thanking everybody by name, all the vendors by name. And I'm sorry, but the vendors have come here and they've had a fantastic weekend because they've sold more than they expect to sell in the next year in terms of revenue. We don't need to have a thank you individually for all of these rant, you know, these people. And it might blah, have been blah, in the blah. contract, to be fair. Like having done the LGT stuff, that they might have been. They showed the names on the screen, and that's yeah. fine. But like, I mean, that's what I would have been comfortable with saying. Thanks to all the vendors here, here they are. Exactly, and I think you need yeah. to go through stuff like that at a canter, and also for the organisers too. Not not taking away from the the extreme amount of effort and stuff they've put in, but we don't need to kind of do it to such the nth degree. You know, these people presumably aren't doing it because they want to be, you know, the big I am, and I'm the person who's organised this tournament. They should be rightly praised, but a really big round of applause for everybody all at once. The TOs get on stage, go through the names very quickly, but don't go through the name, invite them on stage, round of applause, yeah, go through the name. Um, and there's a certain, I don't know, grace or elegance to how you give a thank you speech, yeah. which I think, once again, they tried their best, but they're not public speakers or people yeah. who are necessarily should be public speaking. Um, and it came across in, in a way which ultimately, at the end of that award ceremony, I had a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And I was thinking, like, well, we've got this political incorrectness and racism kind of comments coming out. What's yeah, and that was dominating the Twitter sphere. They're, they're not, they're not doing hard about things it, yeah. at all. And okay. then at the same time, then we've got a circle jerk of organisers saying how wonderful and fantastic it's been. Absolutely. And then that off the back of the organisational chaos, which caused so many people... Um, a lot of waiting. Well, you spend a lot of money stress. to go there, so absolutely, I mean, you pay for an event, and the, you know, quite honestly, when mm. I go to an event, I pay for it, and usually they're pretty reasonably priced, yeah. and you expect all the around to be on time. You to get lunch, that might be of variable quality, but mm. you're going to get lunch. Um, you're going to get a good <laughs> awards ceremony with decent awards, and it's all going to run to time. You're going to get home like that's the. <laughs> there are very simple things as a, and, uh, oh, and you're going to turn up and you're going to play players, and it'll be organised for you. There's very simple things as a blood bowl coach you can turn up and Absolutely. do, and pretty much over the course of the weekend, great as some of the stuff was, and and fantastic as the whole event as a whole probably ended up being, they pretty much failed on every single case at various points, like of the timings, the award, like the very simple stuff. It, is what you've got to get right, even at an event that size. 
Yeah, I think, I think I'm loath to say that they failed on the ball, but they, they certainly didn't. Um, I'm sure they would agree that they didn't meet their own expectations of yeah, what they had to achieve. That's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and that there was room for improvement in, in various aspects. But to take nothing away from what was otherwise a fantastic weekend for me personally, I think a lot of other people there. So the only other um, thing we talk about probably is the painting. I'd yeah. Say. yeah. So this, this is always so, something for I mean, me I, which is personally very relevant because yeah, I mean, I'm I could a step, painter more than a hobbyist. Look, step in first and say, yeah, that is absolutely Phil. Phil, from my perspective, has been has spent months and you know he's been posting <laughs> on the whatsapps and i've been posting on the twitter of like sitting at home nightly and daily and actually fucking painting his thing and spending so much time around mm. it getting it to a to a level that he was happy as a very high level painter to go to the world cup and compete in the in the awards show that was his and actually genuinely i think you going you expected because of 1600 players in the event you expected to be beaten you you were mm, doing absolutely. your best and you expected it to be the best painting thing you'd ever been in and you were doing your best at the level mm. of technical painting that you thought was required because there was yeah. no the, and the problem is is there was no um explanation beforehand of what they were expecting to win mm. and i think the problem that you've got is that then going competing is that the team that ended up winning was not what you would say is a technically better painter team than yours isn't it that's the inherent problem around the whole thing yeah would you agree absolutely that there's expectations and a failure to manage expectations is a surefire way to leave people disappointed. Yeah. Um, and in painting competitions, and I don't think this is exclusive to Blood Bowl, <clears throat> there's a definite element of in some tournaments or some hobbies, um, <clears throat> the painting being perhaps a secondary focus, not being given the due care and attention it needs. Mm. And then what that means, <clears throat> excuse me, it sounds almost like I'm cracking up there a little bit. Yeah, he, he is crying. Getting emotional. He is literally crying. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tears of sorrow. I need some more jasmine tea. Salty tears. It's getting a bit cold. <laughs> but yeah, can you because get salty about painting? <laughs> I think you probably can. I think I probably yeah. was salty. Yeah. But yeah, we, you need to know what, what it is that they're judging on. Mm. Is it technical ability? Is it theme? Is it some coolness? I mean, coolness, that's a big thing, cool yeah. factor. Conversions, um, all these the things. Conversions, display yeah. boards. What are they actually doing it on? And is to caveat, none of these are not skillful. That's mm. not the point we're making. We're not. So I'm not saying that the the, the halfling team that ended up winning wasn't an amazing team, really well all. converted, fantastic display board. That that's not the point. The point is, is that it wasn't as well painted, in my opinion, as your yeah. team. And and if it's a painting award, which is what it's called, just be clear about what it is. I mean, absolutely. it's a big enough event, they could have had both. They could absolutely. have had cool, cool and, and In all of the organising they did for the gaming, there was no organising for this painting competition. Yeah. Or next to no organising for this painting competition. They they published it by way of an email newsletter some weeks before, saying that they were splitting the painting competition into various races. So groups of four or five races, and they would pick a best painted from Which is sensible. Yeah, which that is a great sense. way to do it in terms of logistically speaking. Um, and then they would pick from those. But they never once demonstrated anywhere what the category, or sorry, what the criteria they were looking for were. Yeah. Or who was judging it. They did include, include an explanation as to how they were judging it. So the thing was, Thursday, you come along, present your team. They take a photo of your team. They look at that. And then that evening or the next evening, they invite you back or they, they go to you and they look at your team in the flesh. Yeah. And so, did they do that? So what happened was they took photos on the first day. I saw people with huge display boards. I asked the guys for taking photos of the display boards included. And he was like, no, don't worry about that. It's about the models. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, great. 
Nobody then came and looked at my team or nobody requested to or nobody picked up the models and had a look around. There may have been some, you know, sneaky look over the shoulder once you got down there. Yeah. But nobody actually picked up the model, looked at it 360 and said, okay, let's judge the quality of the painting, the shading, the, blush, the brush strokes, the detail, but nothing like that. And then next thing you know, they announced the awards. And so there was no transparency as to actually what the process was who judged it or how they judged it. One of the guys said to me that only 96 teams in total entered the painting competition because I think people generally had a realistic expectation as to yeah. whether or not... People tend to know whether they Yeah, I mean, they, they were, they were fucking Lego something. teams, though, mate. So, exactly. you know, there are people who wanted to do the painting and one who didn't, <clears> which is so, fine. That's not, that's not the point. So there wasn't even that huge a number of teams to look at and they could easily have been judged. They could easily have invited everybody who's in it to put their team out on a table yeah. so they can look in person or they could have just gone from the photos as they said they were going to do and then say pick the best three from the, each category and then invite them to come up in person to put their team out. But they didn't do any of that. And then they just announced the winners of the painting competition. Yeah. And it was particularly telling when they did the halfling category one, which is Creatures Great and Small. And they immediately then referenced the display board in the announcement and saying how, oh, you know, there's a great story behind this team and the, there's a book about it, blah, blah, blah. Because they're all displayed in like a cookbook or something. Which is cool. That's I'm yeah. not. We're not saying that's not awesome. And I really wish, actually, because I'm not disparaging the coach at all, I really wish I could remember his name. Do you remember his name? I think it's Too Fun. I've, I've, too fo fun. I've followed him on Instagram Again, recently. Fantastic team, fantastic team. Mm. We're not disparaging him at all. It's, it's, it's a really cool yeah. theme and a really cool team. It's just... You know, like I've posted on our Twitter page, and guys will have seen it. Of so he's painted. So I think there's only one miniature there that's the same miniature as you painted, which Probably, is the chef, the less, old, yeah. the old school chef. And so he's spent a hell of a lot of time on his theme, a hell of a lot of time on his display board. Really skillful stuff that he's yeah. done, and I'm very impressed. But if you look at the individual painting of that chef compared to yours, he's got he's, he's just got a simple mistake on the eye where the where one of his eyes is leaking into the rest of the miniature. And and if you zoom in on that, you can see it. If you just look at it with you, and like, his you his, his fingernails are just bleach bone on yeah. the fingernail with no highlighting. No and the shading. actual technical painting there is is well behind what you've done. And actually, probably of other other coaches that were there in terms of technical painting. I saw better teams exactly. in terms of painting. And so that's not the point we're making. We're not taking it away from the coach who's won an award. Mm. That's great, but 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 my it goes back to me. And I've said I was talking to other guys in the pub about this. It goes back to. If you'd known that they were going to go for big display board themed stuff, you could have spent time on a display board and had the luggage to take a display board and done that. You could have done that. Mm. But you were going for what you've always done for a technical painting event of mm. what you thought was going to be at the World Cup, which is paint as well as you possibly can. And they're lovely. Like, and that's yeah. what you've done. And, it, and the, prob the big problem is, is the not upfront what they were going to judge on. And the fact that the team that won has actually got mistakes in the painting, I'd, yeah, I'd say, absolutely. in the actual painting stuff. And, yeah. and then they made further mistakes in the judging, so they awarded best painting of the elf coaches to a dark elf team who wasn't even painted by the coach. Oh, right, and it was then a commission painting. And the coach then, I think, having gone up and accepted the award on the stage, then later said to them, I'd, or they found out, that he didn't paint the team. And so then they it. gave it to a different coach instead. And there was no consistency between the teams that won the various categories in terms of what appeared to be the judging or anything else as well. So I think the initial team that won the Dark Elf category, no display board whatsoever, just models, and they looked really nice in the photos that I saw. I didn't see them in the flesh. And then we have the Halfling team, which is, in my opinion, uh, 
a relatively average standard of painting, but the most phenomenal conversions, display board, etc. Um, and then you had everything in between across all the categories. So it could have very much been the case that my Dark Elf team, God rest its soul, in you know, an Uber, <laughs> was, was clearly better than the Dark Elf team that, that maybe won. Yeah but then wouldn't have been as good as a category in a team in another category that won. And so then yeah. you've got this inconsistency between categories depending on the strength of those individual fields. It just it just left a lot to be desired, and it, sma- it smacked of something which hadn't been the consideration um, that, that it needed, and it's something which is so easy to fix. And and this is, so this is an interesting, broader topic as well, that um, I think as a podcast that has gained three listeners now, we've got three, we've got Sony yeah. James... Um, I think Jimbo listened into the last one. Dan listens, so I think we've got three listeners gaining gaining a little bit of traction. And I think next year I really want to push this painting thing in um, in Blood Bowl because you know. So for example, if you look at um, Age of Sigmar now, mm. Age of Sigmar now has two rankings uh, tables. They've got the gaming table and they've actually got a painting rankings in Age of Sigmar, and the yeah. NAF don't have that at all. And I think it's something the NAF could have. And that if somebody was willing to take it on and push it and go, let's have a NAF painting rankings. Blood Bowl teams are really awesome. People put their time into it. They paint it. Mm. Let's, you know, let's go and talk. So Purple Goo mm. is our local NAF representative. Let's go and fucking talk to him and see if we can get some sort of painting yeah. thing going. Well, what, what and you for, and in I four can... years' time, for the mm. NAF, next NAF World Cup, let's get painting on the agenda. Let's well, you and I can lead by example with the tournaments we organise, can't we? I suppose on that front. But I think, I think that's a topic for a different day, isn't it? Because I think we could go into a lot more detail about painting competitions and the state of painting competitions and the view of the hobby side of things as opposed to the gaming side of things. And I think there's, there's counter-arguments and different points of view and all of that from people that we know. Yeah. Um, is that everything on the World Cup? Yeah, I was going to say, so we, we'll... We will go into that in the future. We're going to round up here now for the World Cup. We're going to take a very quick, like, two-minute break um, mm. and then come back and talk about the Hobby Harem and the closing stuff. Well, we're going to, no, we're going to go into the tournaments first and talk about the Hobby Harem and do just another five, ten minutes and uh, wrap up. Tom's gone off to the bathroom, he's gone off for a piss, he's had a lot of beer, but I'm going to give you the reading from the Spike magazine in respect of the Slan to, to muse over while he drains the sea monster. Slan are, if nothing else, surprisingly few in number. Indeed, there would appear to be fewer than a hundred in the world today. This would make them, in the parlance of today's youth, an endangered species. This is a somewhat misleading term in truth, as, for all their low numbers, Slan are functionally immortal. They do not age and die as other races of the world do. Even the longest-lived of elves, or the most enduring of Chaos Champions, live no longer than mayflies when compared to the Slan. The very oldest of the Slan, those of the first generation, are supposedly not even native to our world. Apparently, they were created elsewhere, in unknowable realms, and brought here by the mythical Old Ones. Those godlike beings that came to our world at the dawn of time and remodelled it the better to support life. These Slan wielded the raw power of magic on a scale undreamed of, raising and levelling mountain ranges, moving continents, even bringing the very world itself closer to the sun. Nothing was beyond the power of the Slan of the first generation. Later generations followed, 
spawned over a period of many thousands of years to fulfill different roles in the ongoing renovation of our world. In this golden epoch, the Slan and their servants existed in contentment. Their role was simple, to follow the plans of the Old Ones, and to guide the development of the world and the younger races. In this age of peace, the Slan were able to pursue their hobbies. Chief among these was Blood Bowl, a game played in honour of Nuffle, who was either one of the Old Ones or a god of a different sort. Yet the Slan didn't play Blood Bowl themselves. Ever a sedentary species, Slan are neither athletic nor agile. Their huge bloated forms crackle with magical potential to that extent that, rather than stand up and cross a room, a Slan would find it easier to change reality so that they were already there. Slan enjoy Blood Bowl in the same way that we might play a board game. Not for them the physical exhilaration of running the length of the pitch. To a slam, Blood Bowl is a metaphysical puzzle, played out without magical aid and over many games and seasons. When a slam wishes to play Blood Bowl, the first thing they will do is create a team that they can set to work on and train extensively, coaching it to excellence over many years. Sadly, the golden age of the slam did not last forever. As we know, the polar gates through which the Old Ones came and went collapsed, unleashing upon our world an age of chaos and confusion. War dominated for many millennia. In these dark times, the oldest of the Slam were lost, laid low as they battled against demonic hosts of unimaginable scale. Eventually, chaos was defeated by the combined efforts of the Slam and the young races and pushed back to the poles. A sort of peace settled upon the world. But sadly, the old ones had gone and would not return, and the oldest and mightiest of the Slan were lost to the world. All that remained were younger, less powerful Slan of later generations, none of whom had ever even met the old ones and who didn't fully understand their great plan. In the long years since, the Slan have done their best to guide the world along the right path, keeping it true to the plans of their lost masters. But above all this, in the long dark years, the Slam kept Blood Bowl alive in their jungle realms, coaching the Lizardmen teams and patiently awaiting Nuffle's return to our world. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the final segment of this. Uh, I've, I've had a very good time, Phil. Oh, it's, it's, been, it's been outstanding. Podcast. Yeah, it's been very... I mean, the list, the listener will probably give well, us some We've feedback. got three now. We've got three. Okay, I understand, though, that James actually might listen on two different devices. Do you think? So he gives us a false... <laughs> so it might be double happens. counting. Oh shit! So probably still just the two. The dark world of statistics. <laughs> anyway, so now now we're going to talk about uh, some tournaments. Yep. Very very briefly because listeners, you've endured long enough through this podcast. Absolutely. And then a little bit of hobby hurrying just to finish. Indeed. It. So yeah, tournaments. I mean, uh, um, it, the tournament season will soon be kicking off again. We're coming to the end 
of the London Bulls Cup tournament period. The first the Bulls Championship, <laughs> um, which is great. It's the first time that we've spoken about it at length before, but it's the first time that all the London tournaments have come together and mm. done an overall championship, and we're going to have a winner, hopefully, by the end of the year. So the final event of that is the Bulls Cup in November, which you and I are going to fill, aren't we? Who else is in our team? So Rory was, but Rory's pulled out like a little bitch. Um, so it's Rob currently is filling in as the TO. He's going to fill in as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, that, that makes sense then, because we are the TO's team. It would and seem he's happy to play Gobbos, so we're... we're Gobbos, Halflings, and then you'll play with... I'm, well, I'm playing with Ogres, and I was going to convert an Ogre team up, like a Christmas-themed Ogre team, mm. um, and this is a little bit Hobby Harim stuff, but I'm actually not going to do that now because the Ogre team's coming out. So what are you going to do? I'm going to borrow a team. Maybe, um, maybe go yes. all skink lizards. And then take the new skink starlets. <laughs> skink starlets, yeah. Is that is that a feasible team? Is that I mean, a is thing? That, is that I mean, affordable? I'm sure that would work. So skink runners are sixty. Yeah. So take eleven of those, six hundred and sixty. Plus a crocs. Um. Well, I guess you could take a crocs. Drool and um, double drool and dribble is one ninety. So that's uh seven fifty. Take the star crocs. 8.50, sorry, and then take the normal crocs, 8.50, 8.90, 9 and then enough for, almost oh. enough for two re-rolls. Done. Seems too easy. Yeah. I guess you, you could probably... Oh, wow, my phone just activated. Is there something you could, that your phone can help you with, Phil? I think it probably wants to help us write a, um, a Lizardman roster with... <laughs> for the Bulls Cup. I think yeah. that could work. Well, yeah, but you could easily do it without any big guys at all, couldn't you? And you could just do all the skinks. But maybe you'd want maybe you'd want um, a big guy. Maybe you take Zolkaf the Zote. The Zoat. Glottal stop can't um, through. Do they have right stuff? Skinks can't be thrown anyway, can they? So. So you could take a Crocs, the Zoat, and the two Star Skinks. Probably that probably fit. Well, and then skinks and no re-rolls. Mm. Yeah, maybe. What? What do you need re-rolls? What are re-rolls for? Not very true. Anyway, so, so that's coming up. The so that's coming up. The, the Beebles Cup, which is at the new Magic Madhouse, renamed to Rule Zero, because the only rule is don't be a cunt. That is Rule Zero. There are zero rules. I'm trying to remember what he said. There are zero. There's basically zero rules, but they've got one Presumably rule, which is better. don't be a cunt. It's something like that. Um, zero. And uh, yeah, so that's the. So they're not going to be quite. Um, or we say in the army, FOC, fully operational, um, until a bit later in the year. But they're going to still put the event on. They're going to do barbecue burgers, which is going to be great. And that will close out the um, London tournament year, apart from Bromley Winter Warborg, which sadly is moving from Warborg because Warborg's closed, Phil. Has he got a new venue yet? So he ha- I don't think he has, but he's looking into mm. it. And I hope, because uh, we talked about this before, I hope that he stays south or central because... A lot of people are going to Rule Zero now because it's a great venue, but uh, I want London Bubble to stay dispersed and yeah. people to be able to go. So um, this is the first thing I'll say about next year is that uh, Mark Kamish Hampson is talking about doing a, an event out Wimbledon way, like out west. Uh, no, that's not Wimbledon. Um, Overground, underground, is it Blood Bowl free. The Blood Bowl is a Wimbledon blocking, are we? Is that Wimbledon West? Well, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's looking at doing that. Uh, thanks for that, Phil. That's great. Making so that'd be great. Making good so... <laughs> use of the skills that we find. The only skill that you really need, though, is thick skull. And then you can grind. 
Um, so yeah, so looking to next year, the first event of the year is always, well, UKTC, which is out Indeed. of London, which all the guys are going to. I'm sadly flying back from Australia on that day, so, you know, I'm not going to go. Right. Are you going? I, I think so. I'm in, I'm in DBL TBC. Let's try and get Talk Nuffle t-shirts for that, so you can wear mm. that, because we've been talking about that for a while. We'll sort that out. But the first event of the year is the Talk Nuffle Super Bowl. Yes. Taken over from the Hard Six guys, Jay and the gang, and I will always continue to... to um, Raise Jay up on the pedestal he deserves to be for making the Super Bowl such a great event. And I'm honoured to take over the Super Bowl from him and carry on the great tradition of Blood Bowl and Pie in one event, which is fantastic. So Tottenham Super Bowl next year is on the 22nd of February. Very good. It's going to be at the New Rule Zero, which is where we were last, well, we were at Magic Man House last year, but they've moved just down the road a bit closer to the station, which is great. We've kept... Hattiewick again. Hattiewick, yeah. We've kept the pack pretty much the same as last year so last year the only change i made from from jay's pack was to uh basically make um stars added into your 11 because mm. i like star players so that's and that's a thing that people don't often do and i also added in 50k bribes to stunties this year all that we've added is they used to have four tiers i've broken it down to five just to give those tiers in the middle a little bit more flexibility. So um, so in tier five, it's now all the stunty teams. Tier four is your teams like your vamps and your yeah. um, Camry. Uh, no, Camry aren't tier four. But uh, your vampires and your, I think, Chaos Patch are in there and things like that. But it just gives you a bit more flexibility with tier two being humans and brats and elves and tier three being the Chaos Packs, Chaos, etc. So it just gives you a little... Oh, so corner tier four. Corn and vamps and underworld and things yeah. like that i think it's a so, nicer way to do it and certainly we're going to be rejigging the skill tiers for Batbreaker cup too because i think now being a bit more experienced having been to more tournaments having run more tournaments as well i think i can really see the merit of mixing up what is otherwise a quite a simple skill pack into something more exciting trying to entice people to use some more of the niche teams good uh, and, and even if if we really wanted to bump up the stunty coaches which is always a bit of fun well, can I, and, and can I say, like, I've always thought the Batbreaker pack has been weirdly conformative to, like, sort of torn, what you would expect from a tournament standard yeah. pack. And, like, Batbreaker is supposed to be a fun event. And I, mm. I'm a, I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with that. That's like, always been like, why is it just a standard tournament pack? Because I know, because we, we, do, we do the fun things with the weather and we have some other yeah, stuff yeah, going on as well. I, th I think probably that's been because of, um, you know, trying to make sure we can walk before we can run, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because you don't want to fuck it up. This year will be our fourth year with Batbreaker, mm. um, and it, you know we'll make it the biggest that we can, the best that we can. I think it's time now to branch out a bit, to kick it up a gear. You know, and obviously the first last year was the first time we'd done draft beer, so this time then we'll we'll see if we can expand even more beers. Well, I'll come on the recce with you to try out the beers. If you oh, want absolutely, to yeah, we'll do. Well, you, you came along to help me pick them up last. I didn't did. We yeah. made a bit of a cheeky bit of lunch at that. That was a great lunch. That little yard or whatever in, in fashionable, trendy East London, wasn't it? Absolutely. Oh, well, good. I'm mean, very excited to hear about that pack. I'm sure we'll talk about mm. it in more depth. Um, so, yeah, so that's the early Tottenham event next year. We probably will, stu will still do Barack Bowl at some point next year. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk to you about you because you're moving the Batbreaker. Um, LGT is not in that time slot anymore. So you need to look at... Yeah, it's not there anymore. It's moved to July okay. or something. So well, you can still do Batbreaker. I think all we September. might move Batbreaker to September anyway. anyway which yeah, is which is enough. the traditional pre-season, almost if you like, Community Shield sure. slot for the DBL season. 
Um, and September is just quite a nice time of year, I think, to do it really as yeah. well. Oh, that sounds good. So maybe Barat Bowl will go where the bat record was in May. That might yeah. make sense. We'll, we'll have to discuss that. Cool. Well, the uh, so that's that's the events really. We, I think we've talked through. Finally, the hobby harem. And then the hobby harem. So you're painting catchers, aren't you, Phil? Yeah, my two catchers for the fling team are almost done. I mean, we've got a lot done at the moment. So I've finished San, uh, Cindy Pie Whistle recently. I've got Deep Root and Two Trees done, Willow Rosebark, Puggy Break and Breath. There's like about uh, nine normal halflings. All the stars. Two hefties. I've got a lot of star players for this team, it's Ooh. true. Um, and then the two catchers will be done. I've got the chef that's done as well. Um, uh, and then probably I'll, I'll, I'll have to do Run Below Sheepskin as well. Cause of course. Yeah. One of hits as well. But then otherwise, I've, I've just bought some White Scars Horus Heresy jet bikes mm, so nice. i'm going to start doing some white scars bikers probably might not ever play 30k with them but i just always liked the white scars so i like that whole kind of mongol horde theme mixed with space marines in terms of the iconography and the um the fluff and the, the feel and the look of them maybe you should do macar for a ninth age because they're the mongol horde in ninth age macar macar are like so Ninth Age have now done non-GW fantasy races. So they've done okay. Asgard, which are like Vikings. They've done mm. Makar, which are like Mongols. And they have official rules, but they've got like a, essentially they, a Mongol horde. Are they horde. humans? Yeah, okay. a human Mongol horde. Mm. So maybe that would be for you for Ninth Age. Uh, so what have you got on your hobby, Harim? So I am finally going to paint up the Simeons because, um, well, as old ex, so they've not been allowed in the DBL ever yet. Boo. Um, <laughs> boo. But like Mark said, the commissioners like, you need to paint them up. You need to start Yay. playing with them. See people playing them. See them on the tabletop. And then maybe, you know, in the future they could get in. And crucially, for um, the Sevens event this year, I'm going to take Cathay in the next Sevens. Mm. And Cathay have got monkey warriors. So I'm going to paint up my two chimpanzees to be the two monkey warriors. And then take a, you're taking border princes. Border right? princes, yeah. And I'm gonna, I've got a couple of guys. So I've got an old, um, like Cathay <clears throat> Nippon themed Age of Sigma army. So I've got enough models there to convert into the rest of the Cathay guys. So I'm gonna convert up a couple of guys to be. They've got dragon monks who are weird players. And they've got like sidestep, thick skull, and fend or something. They've got some weird skills. So I have a couple of them, and then just, sidestep, thick skull. I think so. Say? Yeah, I mean, you know, OP, OP. OP. 100% OP. There's only one player in the game who's got sidestep thick skull. That's Willow Rose Willow Rose Park. You heard it here first. You know that if you, uh, rumour has it that if you say her name three times in a row in front of a mirror after midnight, that she appears behind you. Ooh. Oh, that would be a wild night, wouldn't it? Double dildo <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm going to paint up the Simeons over the next couple of weeks and get ready for the Sevens event, which kicks off on the 18th. And um, I think that concludes my hobby, Harim Phil. Yeah. Anything more for this uh, really slick and well-planned podcast? I mean, I just think that we should thank ourselves for making such a wonderful podcast. I'd like to thank uh, Tom Loyne here for being such a great co-host. I'd like to thank Phil for being um, another great co-host. The, the Thousand Sons for having produced this t-shirt that he wears at the moment as well. It's very good. <laughs> um, and yeah, so. And we're looking to record, what, in about a week to, to talk about some other random shit. Indeed. Um, yeah, I think we're going to be talking, giving more of a roundup in the next podcast on the recent goings in the ECBBL as their um, winter season heats up. It does, yeah, we're getting to the back end now. Autumn season rather, I suppose. 
Um, also the DBL, what's happening in the DBL Cup and the Cucklebury Cup, who's gone, who's left in. We'll do a roundup of the conference champions as well. Uh, and um, I think actually... I think I'm joined by a conference champion right now. Is that right, Tom? Well, Rory's not here, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll, we'll focus on that. We'll look at the UU as well. What's the latest happenings there? What's been going on in, in the crazy world? of So more of a general league chat next time. I think so, yeah. There won't, there won't necessarily be much news because we've covered most everything. Unless we well, get any new Ogre rules. Yeah, unless we get we'll, more, we'll more rumours on that. But with that, it's rumoured for the beginning of December and hopefully we'll recall this in the next week or two. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So yes, so um, just to finalise, thank you very much for listening. Been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much, Phil. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Together, we will find